miles as, as a boat flies from water. So. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. I've spent a little bit of time in New Jersey myself. I used to nice work. I, I used to work for a company that was based out of New Jersey, so I was uh, often in for trainings and stuff. In um, man, the name of the town's esca- escaping me now. Shoot. Well, hmm, it'll probably come to me like halfway through <laughs> while we're talking about something completely different. I'll tell you this, man. I was confused. I was also. I went out there for, to go to Dell Tech for a little while too, just for also for for some work training. Okay. I was absolutely confused. Like when I got onto the shuttle from the airport, people were asking me where I was going. And I honestly didn't even understand exactly where I was. And when we went out to dinner and stuff like that, I was so confused at how many times we crossed state lines. Like, oh, yeah. It was just not my world, man. You know, I, I was like, how, so, can, how can we have gone to dinner in a different state than our hotel is in? Like, how, like, it was not computing. I thought, that we must have been in a town called Delaware within the state of <laughs> New Jersey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was back in 2019, uh, I was doing some work down in Wilmington. So, um, where I live is like kind of central, central Jersey. Yeah. About an hour from Philly, an hour from New York yeah. uh, and about an hour 20 from Wilmington and, on the way home, I'd, I'd end up in three different states. I'd end up in Delaware, that's nuts, Pennsylvania, man. and New Jersey. <laughs> that's just crazy, dude. Blows my mind. I was just watching uh, with my oldest son. We watched the... Uh, did you ever see the, the old musical, 1776? I haven't. I've heard of it. Yeah, as you can I, probably I, I imagine, it's it. about, you know, the Revolutionary War yeah. stuff. Um, well, it's not really about the war so much as people talking before the war, but it's pretty funny. And we were watching that with my kid and, you know, he's never been to the East Coast. So he was asking me questions about those states and stuff, the, the original <laughs> colonies and all that. Well, so Andrew, there's, there's something, this is maybe super specific, but I, I, it's something that I'm ignorant of. And I wonder if you can shed some light on it. Cause the other day I I know I screwed something up talking to, to another guy about, um, about, See, for me, it's like indigenous languages of the British Isles. That's it. Like, I don't know where the splits between, you know, Gaelish, Celtish, mm, is Irish, how related is old Irish to old Scots, English even, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't, it's really amorphous to me. Like, I I have a lot of ignorance there. Mm -hmm. I've got a buddy, uh, John Charles, who does some, some language and some singing. Okay. That's got to be the same language that Bridget Campbell does, so it's got to be something off uh, the Scot the Scotland side of the islands there. But you do Irish language and singing, right? Yeah, so I'm I've been studying Irish for uh, seven ish years officially, I guess. So when um, when you say Irish, like what is that exactly? So like you've heard of, you've heard of Gaelic, right? yeah, yeah. So there's 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 six. We're gonna go back just a step further back. There's six Celtic languages that are still existing now, mm. um, and you have two. You have two groups. You have Brythonic, which is like your Welsh, uh, your your Cornish down in Cornwall, mm. uh, and then uh, Breton, where they where they speak in in Brittany in that that Celtic part of France by Normandy. Yeah, and then you have the Goidelic, which are or the Gaelic group, which you have Irish, Scots Gaelic, and Manx, 
which oh, they used to be you. on the Isle of Man. Mm. So those those three all uh, derived from like old Irish and Middle Irish, and huh. it, was, it, it was around the 1500s where they like they kind of you could start really seeing like the divergence start. Oh, I see. That's um, more recent than I would have thought. Yeah. So like the best, the best, and like I was actually telling this to a friend uh, earlier. So like on, especially on on the East Coast here, you'll hear a lot of Irish Americans refer to the Irish language as Gaelic, and that's what it was referred to probably a hundred years, hundred twenty years ago, like mm-hmm. with the Gaelic revival in the you know late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds. But then Irish kind of became more like a a nationalistic thing. I see, yeah. So, you know, and the reason why we don't call Scots Gaelic Scottish is because then it's, it would confuse it with Scots, which right. is a Germanic language. That's that's um, the one that I can kind of, that's the Robert Burns language. That's, yeah, right? so that, yeah. that's, it's like a... It's like it, semi-intelligible it, for somebody like me, like I can kind of guess yeah, what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a... Linguistically, you could say it's a sister language to English. Yeah. And it diverged from Middle English around that time, you know, around around the same time, yeah, mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit earlier, 1300s. And the the border region was very fluid on where the border was for a while. Mm-hmm. So you had people on the Scottish side and on the English side kind of speaking the same dialect of English. And then... Mm-hmm. That became known as Scots uh, later on, probably sixteen mm. hundreds or so, um, when uh, who was it? James the First, I guess, was mm. uh, was king or the, the sixth, the fifth. I, I, yeah, one of those. English, <laughs> the, the English monarchs get confusing because then, like, they start having two numbers. Like, oh cause, yeah, because James was like he was the first and fifth. I think, or the first and sixth. He was like the first of England, but the sixth of Scotland. Yeah. Um, it, but, doesn't, it doesn't help much that they really only had like three names that they were just rotating through the generations, yeah, right? It's yeah. like, which James or George are we talking about here, or Edward? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it, it, so it's, it's something that I'm, I'm like deeply ignorant of, but very interested in. Um, and it's part of like, I feel like as I as I've gotten older, I, I think that that the constant shifting of language is so interesting. Like I definitely would have been what you might call like a like a grammar stickler, you know, like like very mm-hmm. much in the thought of like like there's an exactly correct way to spell things, there's an exactly right way to say things. Precision in language is important, etc. But it feels like the more I learn about how language actually functions and the history of any language, the more I feel like. That is silly. It's silly to say there's one right way for anything just because it's always changing, man. Like, the, like things just don't... Like, I guess the written word kind of helps to freeze some things in place. But without writing, especially, like, stuff just changes constantly, you know? It can be hard, yeah, hard was, to distinguish. I, I was uh, actually... I saw a thing about... There's this theater company in England mm. um, that they they perform... They perform the Shakespeare in the the Shakespeare plays like in the the language of the time. So Shakespeare wrote in like I think it was I think it was modern English mm. by the time he was writing. Yeah. Um but like it was a little bit before it was known as like the Great Vowel Shift. 
So, oh, yeah. So words words sounded differently, and there were a lot of like puns and and rhyme schemes that worked that were worked in the spoken word, but in the written word, you yeah. know, you don't you don't see it. And it doesn't it, come like, across. Yeah. So they they've they're basically like I think they're from like the west of England, and they, so they had that like west country kind of like Hagrid. Sound mm, yeah. is the best way to say, and they kind of sound like a bunch of what oh, we would think of as pirates. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, and they they you know would do these Shakespearean plays, and it like totally changed the performance of it because then all of a sudden all these like jokes and puns and you know different rhymes started coming out that like you wouldn't get if you just you know saw your local company doing yeah. You know, no that that makes sense i feel like that jogged a memory i think i might have seen some little excerpt of like i think it was a father-son duo that were they probably i wonder if they were working on the same project because i remember them bringing up a joke from now i can't remember which show it would have been from but somebody's talking about how you sit around for if if i had read it it would have been something about hours and hours and whores and whores which you know, dirty, dirty, dirty little joke about whoever they were talking about, right? Like, but but then in the spoken, it, you know, they're saying like in the in the spoken accent of Shakespeare's day, those two words sound exactly the same, and that's why it would have been a joke because you wouldn't quite know exactly what they were saying. Are they saying it would just all be hours and hours and hours and hours or something like yeah. that, right? And, and that's super interesting, man. Do you so thinking about language a lot? Do you, do you ever get like deep into sort of like the mind spiral thinking about the relationship between language, like spoken language and music, including like melody oh, lines and stuff? Like all the time. Yeah. Like, so I've been, I also, I've been studying Scott's Gaelic for about five years. Oh, have you? Um, so like talking about, talking about mental gymnastics, you know, trying to keep my <laughs> yeah, Irish, and, my Irish and my Gaelic straight because yeah. the, the best way to, equate them as like Spanish and Portuguese, right? Like oh, they're, man. they're pretty similar, but they're different enough. Like if, it, like if it was Spanish and Chinese, it might actually be easier because they'd be so yeah. different. You could make yeah. distinctions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the old, like the old, um, the old piping, like the old style piping and, and old fiddle music. Yeah. Like, especially like up in like Nova Scotia, there's a, there's a saying like you, you can, you can hear the Gaelic in the music. Interesting. And um, I definitely, I definitely can start. I'm starting to hear it more. Like, you know, the tune um, "Miss Covered Mountains," the, yeah. the slow air. Yeah, certainly. So that has um, Gaelic words to it, "Hemina uh, Marvinia," and um, like the first, the first. I'll, I'll kind of go through the first verse with you, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't mind. But the no, first sure, verse yeah. is. Pull up the lyrics. So I don't do it, dude. Up too yeah, much. please do. This is this is exciting. This is I, I love getting a little bit of live music on the show, and this will be the first for singing. So bring it on, man. Um. So the uh, the chorus, you know, oh he he mina marvinia, oh he he mina marvinia, oh he. He mina khorakan, he mina skodan fokyo. And then the first verse. He mikan dalan tajasan tarugigmi, kararam falchasa, kana khugasmi. 
And even just those first two lines, you can kind of hear where the burls and where the the, trulu, the truluas would be. I just, just based I, on like, kind of the rhythm of the of the of the of the words. The the hairs on my neck just stood up as you were doing that because exactly like as you were singing, my, it was almost like my the muscles in my fingers started twitching to exactly those things. <laughs> like my pinky did a little burl right where it was supposed to happen, you know. And it was like like syllabically, it matched your voice. That was kind of nuts. It reminds and like me, we, go, oh, go we ahead. see the same with like uh, with like uh, Perch de Bell, like um, like all the kind of like the mouth music. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the uh, like, if you were to look at, I don't I remember Jeremy was saying this on on his podcast with you know like the night we had the goats, right? Like the yeah. words, the words are silly, right? Like if yeah. you look, especially if you look at the English, they're like they're like really silly. It's like what what's going on here? But like that music was a, a lot of it was just it was there for 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 dancing, and so like. Mm the the words were more rhythmically important than they were like linguistically important oh um, yeah yeah that makes sense so you like need, those consonants need to kind of like express where the downbeat is kind of thing yeah so yeah. like when you when you hear it sung in in in, in gaelic versus in english it, it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense and then when you then realize oh it's we're, we're replacing a fiddler or a piper because well there might not be a fiddler or a piper here, or they yeah. might not have their fiddle or their or their bagpipes here, and it's like, well, we want to have a dance, and well, how are we going to do it? We can all sing, so that, that uh, that's so interesting because it makes it feel like like I, I I like that like that episode that Jeremy did. Like you can imagine, I, what I would have imagined is the lyrics being inspired only by the event, right? Like the, that night they had goats, and they, there was something about goats, man. They just sang about it a lot. <laughs> But then you, the way you're describing it, I can th- I can imagine an alternative scenario where it's like the lyrics for a tune might be selected based upon their like what their um their syllables and where the consonants fall because it functions musically. That's a a thing to be considered, you know, potentially uh, when 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 putting words to a to a tune. Yeah, and you'll see it too, like especially like in like the like the milling songs or the walking songs. Oh, that totally like, makes sense. A, yeah, a lot of the like like. The choruses will have like vocals, right? So like, e hado yo, snodho oro oroe. Like it just like it doesn't really mean anything. It's just kind of like la di da, kind of the same idea. Yeah. And yeah, you know, so like especially with like the the walking or milling songs, it's normally one person. It's like it's like it's like a sea shanty, basically. Is yeah. the best way to describe it. It's you know like there's there's the leader sing in the verses and then everybody joins in on the chorus and it's you know to keep the rhythm when they're when they're milling the cloth or milling the tweed um that is so so, yeah a lot lot of it's all very like it's all very rhythmical and yeah there's all there's there's a point to it you know all of it yeah and whether it's for work or for dance or whatnot it's interesting that like that's i think that's maybe part of what they're the sticking power of those kind of tunes is you know that like it feels like you can get into that rhythm so completely you know and like i might have not even known why that rhythm was there in the first place because i'm just sitting here listening to like you know the dubliners sing the song while i type type away at my computer or something right but there's like this this like imbued heritage of trudging along down the road or you know or uh flipping the dough over rhythmically every every four bars kind of thing you know that like you can get into that groove man um are you are you familiar with the three four march collins cattle no, sir. Um, so it's it's a lovely retreat march. I'll, I'll play just a few of it on the chat. Yeah. 
It's a really nice dream arch, but yeah. it, it was originally a, a milking song. And, oh, was it? Um, one of the guys that I played in, in Catamount with found a recording um, of some lady on, it was either Barra or South Uist, mm. like singing the words. So it just like milking the cow and you can, and you could hear like the rhythm of the, you know, milking the udders and the, the, the milk hitting the, hitting the pail and whatnot. And like, I've, I've sent that to a few guys in, in the bands I've, I've run down here that like, if they were having trouble with the rhythm, I'm like listen to this and then this could kind of help you. Yeah. You know, get it into your, right. get into, into, into your head a little bit better. Um, you know, those three fours are notorious for being played, played around. Yeah. Th- <laughs> man, three, three fours will trick you. Yeah. It's like, maybe if I had three legs, maybe that would, uh, make it a little easier. <laughs> it, it's funny that, you know, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm so ignorant of this. So it's like so many things that you're describing, like they, they like, you know, like a little, a little bell goes off in the back of my brain, but I really don't know what to do with it, you know? Um, there was a, there's a tune that I, I think I've heard, I think I've heard maybe, maybe it was the Dubliners, maybe it was the Chieftains do it, but I know for sure I've heard, uh, Sinead O'Connor do it. Um, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, but it's, the chorus is like, Odo, say, Odo, say, that's the one. Um, yeah. That's the one. Just when you were doing your singing earlier, it reminded me of that one. I don't know if it's, uh, if what exactly was similar, if there were similar words or sounds or, or just the the rhythm of it or what but um well i don't know it just it brought it straight to my brain you know yeah so the, like the uh, the o row is is um you know kind of like a greeting like a like a hail or mm-hmm. you know you know again like these like vocables like we see it like in the song like rattling bog right oh yeah you know it's you know i had a i had a roommate in college and there was a big debate on whether whether it was ho row or hi ho, <laughs> or oh ho, like, or, or, or yeah, or, <laughs> so or ho ho, or right. yeah. I'm like, it's definitely ho ro, and he was like, no, it's hi ho, and I'm like, that it's from it's from Ireland, it's ho ro, you yeah, know. Yeah. They, they weren't like you know dwarves or pirates, you know. Yeah. It's not yo ho ho and a bottle of rum kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that like that song. There's there's two versions lyrically. Um, and it originated as like a Jacobite song. Mm. Um, and then in the, up, you know, the kind of like the run up to the 1916 rebellion, Easter Rising and whatnot, it mm. got rewritten to be a, a more Irish nationalist song, mm. you know, where they were kind of invoking some of these, you know, older, people from Irish history like like they mentioned like Rania Well, she was like the like the Irish pirate queen. Oh like, yeah. You know, would go up against like Walter Raleigh and whatnot. I saw that um, musical. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, so the lyrics were like a little bit more re re rewritten and that's what we hear I see. Know, a lot nowadays. Um which is I guess appropriate for the, the month that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. With you know with Easter being just just last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, it's super interesting, man. It it reminds me of uh, T- Timothy Cummings was saying that like he had uh, interpreted some old like Latin hymns, and he said that he hadn't done it yet, but he had always thought about how interesting it would be to place like 
grace notes right where the consonants would be in the Latin language, <laughs> you know? So I guess this is kind of like there's precedent for that, you know, like he probably knew there was precedent for that. I didn't, you know, so that's, I'm only now going like, oh, I see, I see, I see, maybe that's, what do I, you know, and also there's, there's, there's this thing that I've always been envious of about um, like Irish folk music with English lyrics, you know, that like, I like these tunes and I like to sit down and like play them with my friends and stuff like that. But when you get stuff like, uh, oh, what's an example? Like, uh. Like, oh, like, uh, like whiskey in the jar, you know, there's like that hum, ta-da-dum, ta-da-dum, you know, like, hi, ta 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 like, there's this, like, Irish diddling that, like, I can't do, because I don't, it's like, you know, like, it feels like you can't do that unless you speak Irish and have the right accent, you know, and it's like, oh, well, is that, do they make those fun little noises here and there throughout their songs because of this precedent? What did you call it? Um, Vocables? Vocables, yeah. I mean... It, it definitely, I, I would say it definitely comes from, from Irish, but mm. it's, you know, it's been something that's been in like the, the Irish English tradition, yeah. um, you know, for a while now. Um, like they even have like, they'll have like, this is going to sound weird, but they'll have like diddling contests. Diddling um, contests, huh? Yeah, so like they'll like they'll that's like a, that's they'll, a weekend right there. <laughs> oh yeah, um, like you know it would be like in like where they have like the tin whistle and you know the fiddle contest as well. But like yeah. they'll like you know you'll you'll diddle or jig out a tune, yeah. you know, and and they'll see who can do it the best and or whatnot. And it'd be it'd be kind of fun to see some of that some of that stuff going on. Yeah, um, I've I've never actually been to I've never been to Ireland. I've only I've only been to Scotland uh, twice, but eventually I'll I'll get over to Ireland. Uh, kind of hopefully see some of the the cool cultural musical musical things that are happening over there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's 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 super cool, man. It was, I, I. Well, um, I think it was. I'm trying to remember. Well, I'm I'm trying to remember things that I can't remember. So let, let let me just let me just instead ask you, Andrew. Like we 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 kind of dove down down a rabbit hole there. Instead of me asking you about your life in general, let's zoom out here for a sec. I want to get to know you a little bit. Um, okay. So like, and you know, language this language study stuff comes into it. Like, what the heck? What at what point did you decide to yourself? I'm going to study Irish. You know, but uh, let's zoom out a little bit. And tell me about where you grew up and and uh, what stuff you were into as a kid and what your family life was like and how that led to bagpipes and Irish and all the kind of stuff you do now. So, I'm from a town in central Jersey called Freehold, or Freehold Township. Mm. Uh, and if you're familiar with Bruce Springsteen, we're from the same town. Dude. That's kind of my, of course, kind of my claim to fame. I, come on. <laughs> of course, I, Bruce Springsteen. Am I familiar? <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I, I'm, I grew, you know, I'm, I'm an only child, so it was just kind of me. You know, I didn't have any brothers or sisters growing up. Um. But like getting into the Irish and and Scottish thing, so I'm actually I don't have any like Scottish ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Irish and Italian on my on my dad's side, and then I'm Italian, well Sicilian on my on my mom's side. So like, 
is the, is that is that Irish Italian thing because of like the just a history of when immigration was happening in the United States and just like the neighborhoods that people lived in because it seems like a pretty common thing you'll hear that people say oh, I'm Irish Italian oh it's it's definitely a, a common mix um, again I feel I feel to like in so many ways man I'm a I'm a child of the the high mountain barren empty desert out here in the west and so there's so much about not just heading over the pond but so much about the eastern coast of the early mm-hmm. United States that I it's like vaguely in my awareness from history classes but it's not a lived experience for me you know what I mean yeah like when I, when I was growing up everybody that I knew in school was either Irish Italian a mix of the of the two mm. or like you know half irish and then half something else like german or polish or or like sure. half italian and half something else or yeah. or they were jewish like that was like those were your options basically <laughs> right yeah um and like with the like with the irish italian mix like you know they're both predominantly roman catholic so oh, yeah. that le- led to a factor of 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 the mixing it would have been like um, okay to marry those neighbors because they would have yeah been, it's yeah. like okay they're they're different like you know the irish people are a little bit different from the italians but at least like they go to the same church on sunday right or, right you know saturday night depending on how, how you roll um and then as like so new york had a lot of like ethnic neighborhoods mm-hmm. and and both my parents are from uh brooklyn new york so my Mom, who's actually all Italian on her side, she kind of grew up in a, in a, in like an Irish neighborhood, mm. um, Irish and German neighborhood. And my dad, it was a little bit more mixed, um, Irish and Italian. And like, yeah, they just, they just kind of ended up mixing. And then like my parents moved out here before I was born. So I was born, born in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of claim that I'm like a, uh, I'm a, I'm a, son of two immigrants just you know they went from new york to new jersey instead of you know yeah. like you know across the pond they went across like the arthur kill like that's like the only body they went, of they went over the river kind of thing yeah basically yeah. um um so yeah like, that was kind of me growing up like that was kind of like so like it was around and like we have more like we have more pipe bands in my county than we can like shake a stick at. It's like living in the promised land in that way. You know, it's un- unfortunately like a lot a lot of it is like like road bands or service bands. So oh, it's sure, like, yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like we're living in Northern Ireland where like you have like you know five grade one bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In like a in like a ten kilometer radius or right. you know, whatever whatever it is, but um. I think the first time I heard bagpipes and realized that they were bagpipes was seeing the Titanic. Oh, um, like in the so like, yeah, like the the, the lower the, quarters dancing scenes kind of thing. That and then just like the soundtrack, like you know, Eric Riggler was playing Ellen Pipes on on a lot of that. Man, um, and like like him to the sea and like my heart will go on. They all have the the Ellen Pipes on it, mm-hmm. and the thing. I think so. That was we were about the same age. Um, so I think I was like six or seven when that when that came out yes in, yeah in 97 um yeah i think dude like we're like exactly the same age so in, in many ways we'll have the same cultural touchstone yeah. for sure um and then like it was probably like third or four, like third or fourth grade 
Um, I would kind of like, so my dad would have, my dad has like a whole big like CD collection of, of all sorts of stuff, but he had like an Irish, he had like an Irish slash Celtic like box, like a, just like, oh, yeah. know, like 50 CDs or something. And it was a lot of like Irish traditional stuff, you know, like the Chieftains and Patrick Street and Alton and Clannad and, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the Clancy brothers and, um, stuff like that, you know, silly wizard. Um, so like that would get, that would be played around St. Patrick's day and, and whatnot. And I thought it was kind of cool. And then I remember it must've been, it must've been like 2000. Cause I think I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. It was either 2000 or 2001. I had come home from school on St. Patrick's day and the, the New York city parade was on the, on the television. And the New York city parade is like the big parade. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you've marched in the New York city parade, you've, you've made it in like the, you know, like New York Metro Irish American, you mm-hmm. know, world. And I remember that year it was snowing. And so like picture, like all these like big Irish looking, you know, New Yorkers, mm-hmm. in like full number one dress, you know, feather bonnets, fly plates, the whole, the whole bit playing their bagpipes down fifth Avenue, but like snow is just like piling up on their feather bonnets mm. and their, their eyebrows are all white because you know, they're covered in snow. And I was like, that looks like a really cool thing to do. Yeah. I, so that's <laughs> you know, a I dramatic picture to paint, man. Yeah. Um, so then like kind of fast forward a little bit in fourth grade, I started, I started band in school. And so I started on the trumpet and, um, part of the reason why I wanted to play the trumpet was I was like, I want to like learn how to like play the bugle and like I'll, I'll annoy my parents and like play Reveille on a Saturday morning, <laughs> you know, like the, the only child feeling like the house is too quiet. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we gotta, you know, we gotta make some noise. And like yeah, dude. the, the bagpipes, like I was somewhat familiar with like, with, with piping at that point. And like, there was kind of like a, an element of like obnoxiousness yeah. to, to the, to the pipes. And that's a little bit what drew me yeah. <laughs> to them as well. Um, and that Christmas, my grandmother gave me this, um, like assorted pipe band compilation CD. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was, it was called like the bagpipes and drums of Scotland or something like one of these, like, you know, like Scott disc compilations, but it had like, it had like really good, like it had like Edinburgh city police and Boggle and Bathgate and, uh, like turf and district. It had like all these like, like, good bands so, so like, you, there was, like, you got a good one there there are yeah, those, like, there are plenty of those oh, compilation yeah. cds out there that would not have been great so. yeah yeah there's there's this one that it was made back in like the 50s it's yeah. called like the the ninth ninth regiment new york guard and it was this like national guard pipe band out of new york yeah that it was like they were playing on like the old like kind of like rope rope drums and yeah. they they were not in tune. Right. I don't even know if they were in tune with them themselves. And like, they'd be, there'd be pipers coming in and out. And it is like, you know, listening back on it, like after playing for 20 years, it's, yeah. it's make horrible. You, make you, you know, shudder it's, a little. It's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> but like when you're like 12 and you're like, Oh, this is really cool. Uh, and you don't really know about like good piping, but yeah. I was lucky that at least the first album was like good stuff, like really, like really good stuff. And, um, I, I really, really, really enjoy that. And then, 
when I joined the Boy Scouts in sixth grade, there was a older scout who played who played the pipes. So oh, that I there I got to like see them up close in person, mm-hmm. um, which which was cool. So it was like they definitely got a little bit closer, and I was like, I definitely want to learn how to play these things. Um, yeah, man. And so. Fast forward another another year or so, my friend friend Frank he went and he started uh, in this band uh, called the Atlantic Watch Pipes and Drums, which I've seen this older step. Yeah, so when you were talking with Joe Brady, yeah, uh, back in October, I guess is when the podcast came out. He had he had mentioned about his trip to Hawaii. And oh right, yeah. And he was like, and we went with the. I was like, this is really a weird kind of like mixing of all these people and it's very you know it was a very small world moment yeah um so they offered free lessons and whatnot and this guy andy prokna who was the the older scout he played in the band and my friend frank his uncle also played in the band so like this my friend frank went to learn and he he maybe did it for about a year or so year two years um didn't really didn't really get going with it but in um in eighth grade he gave me a a fingering chart with the you know with the with, you know how to hold the channer and whatnot now i didn't i didn't have a practice channer mm. but i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna take this fingering chart and i'm gonna i'm gonna teach i'm gonna teach myself i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out how to do this go use a chopstick or something right well <laughs> So I went, I was actually, I was home from school one day. They were, there was like a field trip that I didn't want to go on. And I was like, I had to work on some like English project. So I finished the, the project and I went in, out into the backyard and I found a stick. And I just kind of like carved holes into it just to like, so I could like feel where they were. Dude, um, you, you're, and then I, you were committed, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I colored it in with like a Sharpie marker so I could see them. And um, but I learned, I, I read the, like the chart wrong and I learned w- like with my, with your hands flipped around. W- yeah. So like, oh, for yeah. like six months I was like, you know, playing on a stick or a pencil or a flashlight or like anything that I can get my hands on. But it was like the wrong way. I've got a couple um, of friends who had that same experience. I think that it's gotta be like a left brain, right brain thing or something. I think there's just like a default setting for some of us that like, if that diagram were flipped upside down, it would make a lot more sense. Yeah, for sure. And I got having played, you know, playing the trumpet in band and whatnot, like I already knew how to read music. Yeah. And I knew like, you know, all that stuff. And I knew a lot of the tunes because like my friend Frank would give me somewhere I'd find some on the internet and I I you know, I, I was like the the weird band kid that wasn't playing like you know I wasn't playing like regular band music on my trumpet. I was playing like Wearing of the Green and Highland Laddie and 79 Gibraltar and stuff like that. This is freaking and, delightful, man, because uh, for like we're about, we're like exactly the same age and I also in 4th grade picked up the trumpet and I also immediately was trying to play what I would eventually play on the bagpipes on the trumpet. It's like we were do we might have been doing some of the same things on the same freaking days, man. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and I remember like so I I play a bit of piano but like not I'm not really like a piano player, but yeah. my, my my dad is and we We've had a piano in the house um, since I was like six, I think mm-hmm. five or six. So my 
mom's parents moved from Brooklyn to, to Jersey and they had a piano and it was actually my mom. It was their neighbors. The neighbor, she was an elderly lady. She dies of my parents got the, or my grandparents got the piano. And then when they moved to Jersey, they didn't want it. So we got it because ah, yeah. my, my dad, uh, my dad plays. Um, and then we actually ended up giving that to a guy that we know here because he kind of like fixes up pianos or him and his sons play. Mm-hmm. And then my, my aunt, my dad's sister had my grandmother's, my dad's mother's piano when she was a, a kid. Mm. Um, and we actually got that back because, you know, people weren't playing. It's so like we have a, an 80 year old piano in my living room, which is nice. you know, kind of a bit of a family, uh, family instrument now at this point. But yeah. so like, I would like kind of pluck away and I'd be like, you know, like my dad taught me like the basics of like, this is where C is. And this is like, you know, these are the notes and like, yeah. okay, go at it. And so I'd be like, you know, sitting at the piano with like bagpipe sheet music, trying to like play these tunes. Mm. But I'm sure like you've seen it. Like pipers aren't always the best at putting like key signatures, you know, key signatures. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like playing it. I'm like, I'm playing everything with like a C natural and an F natural. Right. Like, yeah. This doesn't sound right. Like why? Dude. And then you mix why, in like, that your, your trumpet was a B flat instrument. You, all kinds of confusing. Yeah. I was like, this just like, this just doesn't like, this doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. And, and then like my friend Frank, who was like learning, he's like, Oh yeah, the F's in the, cause he played trombone. So he was, you know, he was another bank and he's like, yeah, the F's yeah. in the C's are sharp. I'm like, that does it. Yeah. And then I was like, then it clicked, but yeah, so I was, I, it was like eighth grade. I, I made this, the, the, the stick channer, as I call it. Dude, you don't still have um, that stick, do you? I do. Yeah. You it's, do. That's such a cool relic to keep. To it's actually, you. I, so I have like in my, I'm in my like office at home now. And I have like a, I have an old cedar chest that has like all my, I have, like my kilts and my, like Argyle jackets and stuff like that. And then yeah. On top of that, I have like two like Rubbermaid bins mm-hmm. that have like the kilt hose, Langari's, you know, Balmoral's. I have, I've accumulated some kit over the years. Yeah. And, um, the stick is in one of those bins. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, that's so cool. That you still have definitely it, been kept. I, I think yeah. what I'm going to do is I might like, I might put it in some like, polyurethane or something just to like keep it from like cracking or whatnot right yeah because it's i mean it's 18 years it was yeah. 2004 it's just when a stick that, <laughs> yeah it's still like it's gonna dry out and, yeah and, but so. so then i i got a practice channer um when i graduated eighth grade as a graduation present and i joined the band that my friend was in and then this guy andy brock and i was in hmm. and um it ends up it ends up that I actually have Andy's old pipes. Oh, do you? So, That's super cool. Yeah, so Andy Andy got a new set of pipes for Christmas uh, one year. And so he, this other set was just like, they weren't being used. And so when I eventually got to, you know, from practice gender to, to bagpipes, I was using that as like a, as like a liner set. And then you know, we, we bought them off of them. And, What's neat about it is like we ended up going to the same like he was he's three years ahead of me in grade. Mm-hmm. Um so we ended up like we ended up going to the same college. Mm. Um so like he was a senior, I was a freshman, but then I was like 
also playing his pipes and mm. whatnot. It was just like it's kind of like a neat um like like we were you know both in the same scout troop and yeah and it doesn't help that you know we have the, the same first name right <laughs> so yeah a, <laughs> you're you're just his replacement following along well <laughs> at, like funnily enough like so he's living in Virginia right now uh, I'm I'm still living in Jersey and his his family runs now. Were you were you doing Boy Scouts? I'm assuming. Oh, you were, I should, because, heck yeah, I was. That like, wouldn't wouldn't have even been an option if I didn't want to yeah, be, man. I was yeah. very much in Boy Scouts. <laughs> um did you guys do the the Klondike Derby? Oh yeah. So we we do that and Andy's family like runs the like the first aid slash rescue station. Is yours for, was yours always like by obligation only during the very worst week of the year, like like snow and and mud and rain all at the same time and like potential for death around every corner kind of situation. No, but my 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 first my first year we did we actually got like six inches of snow the day before, so yeah. it was like it was perfect. It was like we got like a fresh fresh coat of snow and it just so worked out that like my sled was all it was all new scouts mm-hmm. and and this guy this guy Andy who was a couple years older than us. And we, we were all off from school that the, the day before and he decides to go sledding out on his out on his farm mm. and he like runs into a he like he hit like a rock or a tree and he like broke his leg or oh, something geez. like like the like the day before Klondike. It's like yeah. great, right? Um so you know, they were like, Well, you can either run the sleds yourself or we can split you up. And like put you to the other sleds. Yeah, put you with other troops. Our, our, okay. our troop was our troop was running three sleds that year, uh, and yeah. we we're like, no, we'll do it. Like, we'll, and like we had a blast, and it worked out that like, you know, Andy's parents are, are they have a farm, so they have like trucks and whatnot to like get around in the the fields. Yeah. So like his mom like drove him to some of the stations. Mm. Um. Yeah, so he would be like on crutches, like you know, helping us, helping uh, us do stuff. But we, yeah, you know, we were like eleven and just like pulling this dog sled in the snow and having like the time of our lives. It was yeah. fantastic. But his family runs one of the stations, and so I've been going. I've been going to help uh, the past couple of years. Um, you know, help help run the station and whatnot. And it's like I'm like, you know, I'm like Andy's replacement almost. It's right? Like, yeah. <laughs> You just watch where he goes and what he does to know what you'll be doing in five years' time, right? Yeah, and then, and then, you know, it was like it was this year. It was um, it was around it was like around Valentine's Day or something. I was getting a card from my mom at the you know the Hallmark store, and some lady like runs into me. She's like, "Are you?" Wait, she like she she thought I was him. I was right, like, well, right. fun fact, I was like, I was just hanging out with their family last it's weekend. Like, so I'm not him yet, but I will be soon. <laughs> That's um, funny, man. the the best The best Klondike Derby that we ever had. Like, we worked so hard on some of those sleds, and you know they'd fall apart or get stuck, all kinds of things. But one year, it was like we ran out of time, and we just ran. One of the scout leaders had, was a, was a cross country skier, and he had a bunch of old skis. And we just went and took two, uh, no, three mismatched skis that he had in his backyard and just threw bolted them to the to the runners of a wheelbarrow. And they mm-hmm. let us enter with that. And that was a killer sled, man. That was a really good yeah, sled. Yeah, we, we, had, we had two sleds. 
originally. Well, we had like the first sled, and then uh, the second one, but they were both from like the sixties. Oh wow! They were like it, it, it was like the work, huh? Yeah, it was like like the USS Constitution. Like, it was like <laughs> you know, like you know, like Hearts of Oak. Like they were just like solid. You know, you you could probably and they were built in like the like the dog sled style, so you could mm-hmm. like you could probably like hook up like you know huskies to them and like bring them to alaska and you know yeah you know ride around and then we we built the third sled because we had more more kids in um and we i think we, we did the same thing we used uh, an old pair of cross-country skis for the for the runners yeah and i remember this this might sound a little unscout like but we were one year we were we were on the course, and we were coming up against a sled from another troop, and they they had their sled made out of the PVC pipe, mm-hmm. which is not always the best idea. That that sounds more along the lines of the kinds of things we were usually trying. <laughs> and we like they had the great idea of like, oh, let's have a race and yeah. see who can like get through this grove of trees. Like it like it narrowed into like a like a like a narrow opening where like only one. Only one sled was gonna get through at a time. Yeah, and that happened that year that Andy Prochnow was the sled leader, and he was not on crutches this year. He was, you know, yeah. able-bodied. And he's like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna lose. We're gonna win." <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "He's like, we're we're going." And so, like, we just like full out run. Yeah, and we make it through this grove of trees, and they don't, and they they hit a tree. Mm with their sled and their sled just like exploded and yeah, like, popped apart and we're just like like a pile of matchsticks we're like well, that stinks <laughs> we just kept on going <laughs> onward <again>. ho <laughs> <laughs> yeah um oh yes I, Klondike I think was some of my like favorite it was definitely my favorite event throughout the year like besides it, summer camp it's funny that like <laughs> I, I know what you mean when you say it doesn't sound very scout like because of course the idea would be like oh you know we'd go help them and fix their sled there in the in the field and stuff like that right but at the same time speaking to like all of my scouting experience that is the most scout like thing ever yeah. right because like especially on those long camp out kind of situations it very much becomes like this wild sense of like we're just doing crazy stuff and we'll see if we survive let's go you know so that's yeah, part of what was great it, about it it definitely wasn't living up to like the uh, friendly and kind right uh, those parts of the oath, aspect yeah. of, of, of the law but uh yeah, you that's know. right oh, man. um yeah so once i i guess get back to like my hiking yeah. journey i i joined the band and it was i was kind of like in and out of it um like active wise uh, yeah. just because it was a couple of towns away and and getting up there was hard with school and whatnot um and then i had i was playing my pipes and i i, I played with like with the scouts, I you know I would play at events and things like that. And then when I went to college, there was a, a piping program at the at the university. It was a very you know it was very small. Um, so I I got involved with that, and then um, my sophomore year, I ended up taking over as pipe major, which was a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about like pure leadership when you're. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. when you're when you're 19 trying to you know lead a bunch of other 18 19 20 year olds yeah dude um 
you know, both musically and, and, and teach him and whatnot. And, and that's also when I learned that like, not everybody's as enthusiastic about bagpipes as I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was a, that was a, a good experience. And then that's also where I started. So the, the band at school didn't compete. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say that. We competed once, like, um, the year after, after I graduated, but there was a local, uh, competition band, uh, called Catamount Pipe Band out of, they're out of Montpelier, Vermont. Mm. And the piping instructor at the university was the pipe major of the competition band. So I got hooked in with them and, I played with them for eight years, I think it was. Oh. 2012 to 2021-ish. Yeah. Um, and they had, like, they had, uh, like, long-distance practices, which was nice. They would have, like, a... They'd have their weekly weekly band... Uh, weekly practices on Tuesday nights, and then they'd have, a, like, a band day for, like, eight hours on a Saturday mm. uh, once a month. And that's, like, where, like all the long distance players could come because even like Vermont's one of the bigger East coast States, like mm-hmm. you could still take you like, you know, you could still be like three or four hours from one end to the other, mm-hmm. at least, at least long ways. Right. Right. It's Going like, across ways. It's like, you can get across the state like in an hour. Yeah. It's a um, horizontal state. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vertical state. Yeah. Ver- it's a vertical state. Yeah. yeah. Um, so having those long distance practices, um, I was able to still live in Jersey and play with them in Vermont. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd, I'd go up like once a month and that was a really good experience. Definitely. You know, and that's kind of where I got into like playing small pipes and, mm. and other stuff. Cause like there was a, there was a large amount of small pipers in the, in the band, almost like almost everybody had a set of small pipes. It's, it seems like uh, that, like the, the, at least from where I'm sitting right now, it feels like the northeastern United States is kind of a hotbed for small pipers. Yeah, well, there's there's quite a few makers too. Yeah. Um, the pipe major's father's is a maker. He, mm. he the Mike McHarg, um, he's been making pipes for a while, and then like Mike McNinch, he he plays he he plays and makes small pipes, and then there's. Uh, Nate Banton, who's of living course, out in Maine, yeah. and there's another guy, the, the Quiet Piper. I don't know what his name yeah, is, but that's like uh, his Fel- brand. He's Fel- at Felsberg. Felsberg, yeah. yeah. He's out in, I think he's out in Maine as well, mm. but he might be, maybe he's in Pittsburgh. I don't know, but he's somewhere in the, in the Northeast. Um, and what was great about like the Catamount experience is that we would have, we would have like Kaylee's and kitchen parties, like after oh, these man yeah. practices. So like, you know, a lot of the times we'd, we'd go back to the pipe major's house and he, he lives on this, like this old farmhouse in Vermont. It was built in like the 1840s mm. and like, that's gotta uh, be a good setting for a kitchen party. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Like if you, if you squint hard enough, like you can, you can imagine that you're in like, you're in Cape Breton or you're in, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe you're in Scotland cause it's like, his neighbor's farm is like right, like he doesn't have a lot, he doesn't have a lot of land himself, but his neighbor has a, a bunch of land. And there's like no houses around, and he's on this, you know, this ridge of a mountain road, mm-hmm. and like which leads to a lot of playing loud instruments early in the, <laughs> early in the morning. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we would we'd like all go back to his house after practice and you know break out the small pipes and the whistle and various you know boron and cajones and various percussion and just play tunes like well into the morning. Yeah, you know, like keep that party going. Yeah, like you, you would be very. It would not be surprising to be like going to bed at like three, four, five in the morning, mm, if at all. There right? were <laughs> yeah, there were definitely a couple of times like I went to the bed. I went to bed as the sun was coming. Up. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good Kaylee. Yeah, man. And like he he basically like can like his, his wife played in the band for a while. She was a snare drummer, um, and then he basically conditioned it like he's conditioned his kids since like you know day one for all of them. That like you know, bagpipes are played in the house kind of thing. Yeah. Like so, like <laughs> while you're in my be, house, you will play bagpipes. Yeah. Well, not even that, but just like like they're not even like affected by like by, by the sound. Oh, you know, I like, see. Yeah, like, totally. They can like we can be, you know. There have been a few times where we we were playing Highland pipes in the kitchen. They like one Wait. when you one one at a time at like three four in the morning and the kids are just sleeping and like, they're just like they're just like you know song would sound asleep yeah <laughs> it's like this is this is great you know uh, yeah. you've, you've done something right if, if yeah, that's that's, that's, if that's your planning. family situation right? yeah man um so yeah there was a lot of a lot of like that's kind of where i got like more into the into the like the cape breton style music and just like kind of the more like traditional session music yeah um which is definitely Definitely more my cup of tea right now than like. I mean, I still like competing. I don't do much in the solos just because that's I, li- I like doing the band stuff more. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't know about you, but out on the East Coast, solos are like stupid early in the morning. It's yeah, like, we usually start for, the games with the solos. That's right. You like you know like grade four solos start at like eight thirty. Like yeah. that's just that's just. Well, and they say early mornings. I don't know if it's similar elsewhere, but like if they, you know, they we usually would often save the higher grade solos for later in the day because we assume that people will want to hear those. (laughs) So, so the the lower grade ones, the lower grade ones have to get up really early. (laughs) Yeah, and And that's where I've always been is in the lower grades myself. So, and and luckily, like, I mean, for us, the the contests aren't too far away. I mean, like. Most of them are like three, four hours um, driving distance. Yeah. Like if for like like a band, like if you're just going for the band, that's easy. You can like you can leave at like six or seven, get there by ten. You know, yeah. do mass bands, do you know, do your contests. You know, drive home, and you know you'll be tired the next day. But you can do it all if you're doing solos. It's like you got then you got to go up the night before. Mm-hmm. You gotta get a hook because, like, otherwise you're getting up at like you're leaving at four to you know go play go right, play bagpipes yeah, so. for ten minutes, you know, <laughs> and then and sit around like, until until the afternoon for your band. Yeah, right. So, um, I've been like on and off with solos, but like, and also too, like I've, I've, I'm somewhat like a swimming upstream. Like, mm. I like to I like to play the tunes the way I like to play the tunes. Oh uh, yeah, and you know, um. Like especially like like style like I play Maestro Space a little bit more round and a little bit quicker. You know, it's not as like it's definitely more like a Cape Breton style. Um mm-hmm. and you know, I wanna if I'm gonna play a, you know, two parts of Strispe and two parts of Real in a contest, I wanna play it like that. I don't wanna play, you know. Um 
So that's kind of where I've d- diverged a bit from doing like the solo contest. Yeah. But um, yeah, just like playing all like the traditional stuff is just like it's my it's my cup of tea. Mm. I'm all, I'm all about it. No, I dig. And I have this thing uh, in my mind that like I. I have you picked up Bill and Pipes, or am I just making a free association between Irish and bagpipes? Um, I've picked up Bill and Pipes a few times. Um, I don't actively play them mm-hmm. uh, now, but like um, this guy Mike McNinch, who played with with he's he was one of the he was like the grade five instructor for for Catamount. Mm. He actually was an Ill and Pipe maker, um, so he 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 plays, um, and then my my buddy Josh, he got he actually is just getting a full set of Illum pipes recently, uh-huh. but he had a, like a like a half set, so he, it was he, just he, like he must have won the lottery or something, right? Are you are you getting suspicious since he's getting a full set of Illum pipes? Kind of going no, like, hey man, where you, uh, uh, how you doing? What's uh, you got anything to help your friend out with? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think it was just like I'm just biting the bullet and getting a full set. Yeah, um, I, I'm but, jo- I'm joking, of course, but yeah. you know, ri- riffing off the idea that like. If your neighbor, you know, all of a sudden has a Lamborghini in their in their driveway, you you can think they won the Powerball kind of thing, right? Like, ah, uh, there are some signs that you yeah. might not know they won the lottery, but there will be signs, right? And in our niche I mean, community, I, it would be a full set of Illum pipes all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would much prefer the full set Illum pipes. Oh, over, for over sure. Lamborghini. For like, sure. Like, like I drive a Subaru Outback. Like that's like that's 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 you know, it's rugged. It's it's you know. You can get me up and down the hills of Vermont and New Hampshire pretty well. And there's plenty of room in the back for your bagpipes. So that's oh, amazing, there's right? Yeah. Or a bass drum. Actually, a bass drum fits very nice hey, perfect. in the back. Um, no, but he had a... My, my friend Josh had a like a, it was a, like a half set of Illum pipes or a mm. practice set. So all it was was bag, bellows, and chatter. There was oh, yeah. no, no drones or anything. And he... Um, I borrowed him a few times when we were in college together, uh, just kind of playing around with them. And then, like, he let me borrow them over Thanksgiving break one year. So I had, like, a week where I had, like, Illum pipes in my house that mm. I was, like, playing around with. Um, I haven't gone, I haven't gone down the Illum pipe road as much, uh, but I, I have gone down the fiddle road. I even oh, oh yeah I saw a picture of you on on Facebook or something with, with a yeah player. that's been that's been a lot of fun um, that was kind of almost completely by accident oh really um, how that got, how that got started so um, back to my dad's you know big musical collection mm-hmm. um, there's an album that the Chieftains did that he had uh, it's called Fire in the Kitchen oh yeah, yeah. and it's the Chieftains went around and they played with all these different artists in Atlantic Canada and Quebec and Ontario. So like Nathan McMaster, Ashley McIsaac, uh, Great Big C. Hmm. And so each, like there's like a different artist on each track and, you know, playing traditional tunes from their areas. So like, I kind of knew of the, like, I knew like of like, okay, there's Nova Scotia and that means new Scotland. Hmm. And there's like a fiddle tradition there kind of, but I didn't really like, know that it was like anything really different than just like regular Irish or Scottish fiddling. Sure. And this was 2011. Um, I was home from college and my dad was like, Hey, you want to go to the, the record exchange in Princeton? I was like, sure. So then in Princeton, New Jersey, about 
40 minutes west of us, um, you know, where the Prince, where the university, Princeton University is, mm-hmm. there's this nice little circle, the Princeton Record Exchange. And they have all sorts of CDs and records and albums. And they have a very good, like, used, you know, used selection. So, like, you, know, you can go and you can sell your, your albums that you're not listening to anymore, you know, to the record exchange. And then, then they'll sell it for, like, three bucks. Mm. So I, I came across this album called The Heart of Cape Breton Fiddle Music. And it was an album that was, it was all live recorded on various, uh, dances and whatnot on like the Western side of the island, uh, by the Smithsonian, uh, Institute. And it was like, it was like $3. And I was like looking at it and I was like, well, I kind of know like a little bit of the tradition and like, this might be interesting. And I was like, there's, there's two tunes on two of the tracks that I know from the piping tradition. Mm. There's Devil in the Kitchen. And the Pete Rock and Allen do. And I was mm-hmm. like, let's give it a go. It's only three bucks. Like, right. Even if, if, I were to buy, if I were to buy that, like, one track on, on Amazon or iTunes or whatever, like, it would be, you know, yeah. 99 cents for one track. Oh, well, here I can get three bucks for 12 tracks. That's a, that's a deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I put it on in the car on the way home, and it's like fiddle and piano. Mm-hmm. And I am hooked like a fish. Mm. And it that just started like this whole like, like really it's like an obsession with the music and the culture of there. Um, and then when I got back to school that, that, um, that term, that, that September, Ian uh, McHarg, the, the piping instructor, he was telling me about this whole this whole piping tradition up there that's very similar to the fiddling tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the likes of like Barry Shears and, right. and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, so you're, you're telling me I could play this music on the bagpipes as well. And mm-hmm. not just, <laughs> because like, I don't have a fiddle and I was, I was studying engineering in school. So I was like, I did not have time to learn how to play the fiddle, right? you know, in school without getting like kicked out for, you know, failing all my classes. Cause I'd be definitely more, um, I would definitely be more like, oh yeah, I'd rather learn how to do the, play the fiddle and like learn about physics and you know yeah man design or whatever yeah if we um got to figure out some way to get the the engineer's salary but for the tinkerer's work yeah, right yeah <laughs> and so i i just like i dove like head first into the music and that and that that three dollar cd ended up being the most expensive <laughs> cd in my life because it, le- it led to other cds being bought it led to tune books being bought uh, and then it led to me about six years after the fact, I went into the local music store and rented a, rented a, a, a violin for, it was like a, it was like a five month rental or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna learn how to play. And so I started taking lessons with this old lady that worked at the, the store and she was very much like, she was very much a violin player. Like right. there's, there's a difference between a fiddler and a violinist. Yeah. And, um, like it was good to get like a, like I needed, I definitely needed some lessons on like the basic mechanics of the instrument and, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. But like, we were not seeing, we were not seeing eye to eye, like from the get go. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause I was, you know, like, you know, you're, you have kids, so you have, you know, you've probably been, starting them with music and whatnot. Like yeah, the, yeah. You know, all the, like, kind of, like, the basic, like, 
watered down like Americana tunes. Oh, yeah. You know that like like everybody learns on like you know when they're first starting out. Yeah. That's what we were learning, but I was like you know putting in like a couple of like you know grace notes or like a cut or something like to like flourishing on hot cross buns kind of stuff yeah and i was yeah. like well it sounds better you yeah. know like yeah. <laughs> she's like well you gotta play it how it's written i'm like oh ah, my, way, yeah. my way sounds better you know it's like your way's boring yeah that's not, um, that's not what the sheet music says though so yeah 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 um so we eventually we eventually parted ways uh, <laughs> which actually worked out well because like she was going off for for uh maternity leave and like my fiddle rental was up so I was like, this is perfect time, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I actually ended up getting a, a, a violin that I had is a very old violin. It's from like pre world it's like around the World War One time period. Wow. Um, and it was actually, luckily enough, it was a uh, it was a donation. So this guy, Ian McCarg, runs the uh, Vermont Institute of Celtic Arts. And he... When he heard that I was learning how to play the fiddle, he kind of put it out there like, does anybody have an instrument that they'd be, you know, willing to sell or borrow or whatnot? And this guy, Rob Mitchell, or Bob Mitchell, who's down in um, West Virginia and Maryland, um, he's a piper and small, you know, small pipe player. His wife's a fiddler. And so she had this, she had an, an instrument that she wasn't using and then sent it up to Ian and then Ian... You know, gave it to me as a donation. Dang, and but it, it's not like, oh, I've got this this first act, um, uh, this like first act like cheapo, you know, student violin that's kicking around. It was like a a World War One relic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was like a you know, I, I ended up getting it appraised um, a couple years a couple years ago, and just kind of just see like because when Ian and I were looking at it, like we we saw a there was a there was a sticker inside of it that said. Stradivarius 1731 and I'm like wait come on <laughs> like I was like this can't be real right like, like there one there's no way that I would just like get like that a, like a strad would just be like donated right and then two like there's no way that like anybody with any serious violin education would allow me to play a Stradivarius right and you know play like you know you know like dirty Strasbase and reels on it like <laughs> I, should, I should be playing like Bach and Beethoven and right. Handel, like not not like you know, not like Devil in the Kitchen and you know Hiram right. Linton and like you know covered in like rosin dust and and, and not, all that. Not, not so, like uh, flourishes on hot cross buns either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, dude, I was it, I know I I was seeing Robert Mitchell in search results for something not long ago, like just like last week. I'm trying to figure out what was it that I was looking at or looking up that Bob Mitchell kept coming up. I can't think what it was now. Well, I know. So he does, he, he's active in the Potomac small pipes workshop or something. There's like a, Hmm. there's a small pipe workshop that happens in West, in West Virginia, like around Martin Luther King weekend. Hmm. Um, uh, so he's he's been active in that for a while. So that that might have been it if you were looking at small pipe related things. I usually am. So it's like 
throughout any day, like no matter what I'm doing for work and stuff, there's usually a tab that has something to do with bagpipes or stuff I'm planning to buy or something, you know, like more reads or something like that. Yeah. You know? so, anyway, normally, sorry. For, normally for me, it's like the, I have like the uh, like the BBC Gaelic radio on. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you know, listening to like you know old people sing or play accordion or something right, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to throw you off. Carry on, sir. Um. So it, it it turns out that this this violin has a kind of a neat history behind it. So mm-hmm. before uh, Bob's wife had it, it, was, it belonged to a a doctor from the D.C. area who was alive or playing during around the Second World War, mm-hmm. and he was actually like involved with like smuggling Jewish children. Into the U.S. like wow. to get him, like to get him out of Germany and wow. you know Nazi occupied Europe. So there's like a definitely like a cool history behind it. Yeah, geez. Um, but yeah, so that's it's kind of like my my fiddle story, and I you know I've I've kind of gone down gone down that road instead of instead of the Illin Illin pipe route. But you know there's there's still plenty of time left. <laughs> yeah, in, in life, you know that the Illin pipes might be a thing. Um, well, how does it? How did it feel though? Going from, I mean, like having played the piano where you push the key and that plays the note, and the trumpet where you hold down the valves and that plays the note, and the bagpipes where you cover the hole and that makes the note, to the fiddle where it's like somewhere on this totally smooth board, it's like this is a spectrum, and you've got to figure out where to drop your finger to get the note. You know, like it's it's um, it's kind of terrifying and overwhelming to me to even imagine like not having clearly defined buttons, holes. Foul, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a bit like playing trombone. I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like you just like no, 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 kind of sounds like we're in the right pitch. Right. Um, I I cheated a little bit because um, yeah. that 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 first violin instructor did say that like beginners will put like will put like tape or something like on oh, the, kind on of, the kind of like on fret the, marks, right? Yeah, like so, like yeah, on I the fretboard. That. Yeah. Like to, you know, where your fingers go. Um, and then you just kind of, okay, like that's where they go. And like, I have, I have two friends that are, that are music teachers, um, you know, school music teachers. So I, mm. I, I brought the, I brought the instrument over to, to my friend Dan one day and I was like, can you, uh, can you help me get this tape on so I can, <laughs> I can, I can yeah. learn how to play this thing in the right way? And he, you know, he's got, he's got a little bit of a better, you know, better musical ear than I do. So he was mm. able to, you know, figure out where, where the, you know, where the note should be. And, you know, he, he took strings in college and whatnot. So he, you know, no one, he has to know all that, all that stuff for, right. for his work. Um, so that, that definitely helped, but yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a different, um, it's a different bit of a learning curve than, than playing pipes. Like the thing I liked about, it's like you, you could understand this as a trumpet player, mm-hmm. um, as well. Like, the embouchure and the trumpet is key, right? Yeah, for sure. And that really can like hinder your your range or whatnot. But with like playing bagpipes, you just you blow into the thing and, and it makes noise, right? Now, granted, granted, there's the whole idea of like blowing tone and like you know blowing steady, but like you're not going to be able to you're not going to not get the full range of the instrument because your lips aren't strong, so right? Like, you can at least make the sounds, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like. For me, that was like a big thing. It was like, cause I, I struggled with 
like the higher the higher range of the trumpet. And I actually in college I switched to playing euphonium in the band because mm-hmm. I was like we had like nine trumpet we had like nine trumpet players and I was like I'm tired of this. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I want to go to like something a little bit lower. Yeah. Um. But like the fiddle, it's obviously it's a whole different mechanical thing. But yeah. again, you you you, know, you you play the you play the the note and you you, you make the sound. But like, um, it's a little bit reversed in a sense because like you're starting like your your lower notes are further away from you, so you're kind of you're, uh, yeah. you're physically playing in like a downward direction. Yeah, but going up in pitch, which is a little bit interesting. Um, so there was definitely a little bit of a, of a learning curve, but like once I, once I kind of picked it up, it was just like, okay, well, like, well, you know, we'll we'll start with like Rowan Tree or Minstrel Boys, you know, something like it's, it's kind of cool like you had a library of tunes in your head already yeah, that you could and, then and that was it. that was like the great thing about it was like. And that was kind of a that was kind of like a cool, like a cool memorization test, right? Mm. Like, like do you have a do you have a you have a piano in the house or some sort of other oh, non-background instrument in the house? We we only have three pianos right now and an organ, so we're 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 uh, we we maybe have some unhealthy habits over here at my house there, when it wow, comes to <laughs> accumulating instruments. <laughs> there, there there could be worse things to accumulate. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Um. So th- this this would be like kind of like a like a fun like a fun test for you to do. Yeah. Take like a common pipe tune that you know mm-hmm. that you know whether it's Rowan Tree or Scotland Brave or something that you've played you know a million times that you don't even have to think about playing mm-hmm. on the bagpipes. Try to play it on the piano, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be you're gonna and, and play it from memory. Don't have the music in front of you. Yeah. It's gonna you're gonna have a little bit of a struggle at first to like what's the next note. You know, right, yeah. what comes after that C doubling. Right. Exactly. Um, and it was this, like, I had the same thing on the, on the, on the fiddle. I was like, I could play the tune on the pipes, you know, easy, right. But like squeaking away on the violin and I'm like, how does this tune go? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You change those mechanics of where your fingers um, are and stuff. And it's like a double check. So, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And then like, I ended up taking my, my first trip to Cape Breton um, that summer. Uh, which was a fantastic experience. And then when I got home, I started taking lessons online with Andrea Beaton, who's a relatively well-known fiddler up yeah. there. Um, she's Buddy McMaster's niece and Natalie McMaster's first cousin. And whatnot. Mm. So like, she's, she's from a very musical family uh, on, on both sides. And I took lessons with her for like, three years and, and that's like the great thing about like you know doing stuff online like she was up in montreal and i was in new jersey and you know we were taking you know she was teaching me how to play you know yeah. all these extra spades and reels and jigs and and whatnot so that was that was a lot of that was a lot of fun that was yeah. a lot of good stuff and i unfortunately i don't play as much now as i as i should but uh life kind of gets in the way and yeah it comes and goes you know that, that, that totally happens yeah the, the the bagpipe definitely like takes takes precedence like I've, yeah i've been on this i've been on this thing where like so back in 2018 we were catamount was going on 
Scotland for the Worlds. Mm. And uh, one of the guys that was playing with us suggested that we would do like the 100 day challenge from the dojo. 100, day, yeah. yeah, like from like 100 days from when we got to Scotland. So, mm. like, we got to Scotland on like the 6th of August. So, like, 100 days back from that. So, like, you're putting in like, I guess like May, mm-hmm. May, of, I don't know, April, April or May of, of that spring. So I was like, okay, I can, I can give this a go. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it all a hundred days, but I was like, all right, next year I'm going to, I'm going to just give it a try and I'm going to do like, screw just doing a hundred days. I'll just do like the whole year. I want to play the whole year mm-hmm. every day. So I, I went out for it and I, this was in 2019 and I got, I got to like 45 days and then like I was like up late for work. And doing some reports, and then like I didn't play, and then all of a sudden it's like twelve thirty, you know, it's yeah. after midnight, and I'm like ready to go to bed. I'm like, Dang, man, son man. of a gun, you yeah. know, like uh, there goes my streak, yeah. you know. And so like I, you know, not that I like stopped playing, but like you know, I didn't play. <laughs> then you dead. burned your bagpipes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then 2020 happens, right? Yeah. Coming to 2020, I was like, let me let me give this another try. Mm-hmm. Um. So I did. I started. It was great. I got past 45 days. I'm like, if I can get past 45 days, I'm good, right? Like, I can do it for the whole year. Right. Uh, and then, you know, March happens. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. Yeah. Um, so there was really nothing else to do. So I just play my bagpipes outside. And, like, people enjoyed it because, like, at least it was, like, at least there's something going on there's or whatever. Something. Yeah. And so then I ended up getting, like... Like I like I I went to like like luckily like one of my friends got married and like I went to his wedding and that was in Virginia so like he, I even like brought not that I was playing at his wedding but like I just brought my pipes down just to you know because I knew I was gonna be away overnight right yeah. so I was like you know have a few tunes before the wedding and then like I had a few tunes a day after and then you know fast forward it's December thirty first twenty twenty and I'm at you know three hundred and sixty six days. Dude. Um, so I was like, I can keep this going. I can, I can do it for another year. Um, and I did. And then I was like, I want to do it. Screw the hundred day challenge. I want to do the thousand day challenge. Dude. Um, <laughs> which, which I hit back in September. Um, Man. and now, now I've just like, yeah, now, now it's just, it's very much become like a daily habit. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just play, you know. You know, sometimes I'll play longer. Sometimes I'll play like for like forty minutes or an hour. And sometimes I'll play for you know two minutes, depending on yeah on the day. But um, that's that that's so cool that I mean, congratulations. First of all, that's freaking <laughs> awesome. But but also, it's so cool that like it sounds like then it works because by which I mean, I think Andrew Douglas talked about this with his dojo hundred day challenge thing. But I I know I've heard it from other like self help guru kind of like you know uh, tiny habits. Um, you know, get stuff done, those kinds of like systems that people make that like the idea of having like a trigger that makes you do this thing every single day, like a habit is that eventually like right now you're not doing it because it's hard because like there, but if you get used to doing it, then it's not hard anymore. It's just part of your life, you know? And so it sounds like you've, you've reached it. You've reached this point where it's like, it's just a part of what you do. Yeah. It's, it's like, I've kind of lost, like I, like I don't necessarily keep track of the days anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was obviously like the first year, and like 
every like, you know, kind of like these like big milestones, like a hundred or 200 or whatnot. It was like, maybe I'd like record myself playing a few tunes and put it on Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, and like, funnily enough, like those later milestones, um, kind of lined up with like, either like, like one day was on like, like the, I think it was like day 700 was on St. Andrew's day. Oh, like, yeah. like how perfect is that? Right. Very you know? perfect. Yeah. Um, or there was like, there was like one day, I think it was like, it must've been 800 or 900. I don't remember which one it was, but it was, um, it was like on the day of like, you know, battle of Waterloo. So like June mm-hmm. 15th or June 18th. So I was like, well, I know what tune I'm playing for you. I'm playing yeah. Battle of Waterloo. You know, like that's so like, and that was kind of fun because it's like, oh, you can then you can do like, you know, thematic tunes. Like, oh, I'll play right. like, you know, Battle of Waterloo and Highland Laddie because, you know, the Black Watch fought there. And I'll play Cock of the North because the Gordons fought there. And, you know, all these like nerdy history, right, <laughs> historical yeah. bits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just been, I'm going to, keep it going to see how long I can I can do it for. Yeah, man, why uh, not? I I think right now I'm at like I'm at like day I'm at like day tw- I'm past 1200. I was like it was 1200 like around Easter time. Um so whatever it is. Yeah, I haven't pl- I haven't played yet today cuz it's still early, but are is, are uh, you specifically uh is this specifically Highland pipes or are you allowing yourself for any kind of pipes? It's specifically Highland pipes. Um, I do have two sets of Highland pipes going, so mm-hmm. sometimes I I don't play the same set every day. Um, so that's maybe like a little bit of cheating, I guess. Um, and there have been a few, there have been a few days where I actually haven't played my own pipes, and I've played like other people's pipes. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, well, that counts, <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's, it totally. Counts. It's still playing. Yeah. It's still playing Highland pipes, and yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's it's been it's been kind of fun just to like. Just to do it, like I like I have a I have a bandmate who's been playing. He's been he's been playing pipes every day for like I don't know fifteen twenty years or something. Really, <laughs> like he's just like yeah. You know. And I guess like you know, it's good because like like talking about like keeping him like keeping on track of your maintenance. Like if you're yeah, if you're if you're not only is it good for you, like. Like your physical endurance and whatnot, like to keep like to keep your lungs and muscles going. But like, if you're not, if you're playing every day, well, you can start you can start seeing like, oh well, the the tuning pins are starting to get a little loose, or like, right, you know, the drone stacks get a little loose. Like, oh, maybe I should fix this. You know, yeah, you're like so perfectly um, like in tune, haha, <laughs> in tune. Yeah, you're, like so perfectly like uh, tied in. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, we're full of puns today, aren't we? Yeah, we're unintentional. But yeah, that, that, that's what makes sense. Like your level of familiarity is just like so precisely right on moment to moment with your instrument. You be very aware. It's not like yeah, and and like a, you know a, a happy a happy bagpipes a played bagpiper you know, yeah, yeah, all the way around. Yeah. A played bagpipes a happy bagpipe. Like, right. Yeah. Like I had it with like you know, so like I play like in well when I was playing with Catamount we. In 2018, 20, yeah, it was around 2018, we switched to the, those like tone protector ch- channer caps that have like, the, oh, yeah, you know, humi- humidity packets and whatnot. And I like swear, like, I'm not like sponsored by them or anything like that, but I, I swear by them. They, they've, 
they've they're just so much easier. Like we used to use the Piper's Pal. I don't know if you ever used that, but it was like the never used it, but it had, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, it had like the like like crystally looking things and the charcoal, and you had to like right you know pour water in it every so often. Like this, you just put the packets in, and you just like you look at the gate, and it's like oh, we got a little low. Like put new packets in. It's very it's it's stupidly easy, and it mm-hmm. it really does its job, and it like it keeps the channery nice and happy and we've we've even found it like like tuning time was like cut way down like i remember mm. like it was our first contest of 20, 2019 and we might have we might ended up we might have like warmed up 30 45 minutes like that was it like got the pipes out of the box they were like Sounded nice. We played a couple of runs throughs, went to final tuning, and did the contest. Like, hmm. you know, we ended up taking. I mean, we ended up sweeping first and had a few AGLs that day. So obviously, something was working, right? That um, that sounds like a dream come true to cut timing tuning time. Yeah, down, man. and I've like so for four years. I was I was the pipe major of the Atlantic Watch, which, um, you know, that being just kind of like a road slash parade band it's a whole you know different mentality mm-hmm. um and i was encouraging it you know for people to use it but like i found it like with like the channel that i was using with it it was like everything was just a lot more stable mm. you know and even like our own tuning up time took a lot less you know granted you're dealing with other issues like people not blowing steady and sure all that but, all but, that stuff. But but you but, get that it's like if it it helps you to get the it gets other stuff out of the way so you can focus on blowing steady kind of thing, you know? Yeah, like it, it like if you spend all your time just trying to get tuned to where everybody's exhausted by the time you're tuned, you never really get to work on anything else. Yeah. And um like when I started this like, you know, playing every day thing, it was like well, I know where I know where I know where my bagpipes are at. You know, I yeah, know where every day you know like, exactly where they're at. You yeah. know, like, like, and also too, just like, it makes, it makes it a lot easier. So we actually, I started, um, during COVID, I, I did like a, we did like a, we did a hundred day challenge thing with like, in the, within the band. Right. And my, the idea was like, at least this will be like kind of a way to like, even though we can't meet for practice right now, we can at least kind of, you know, you're playing you know, together, even play though together ish, yeah. you know, like you can like, you know, post a video or whatever. Or say, right. And like, so we, um, we, I, I made it, I made it actually like a, like a, a proper like competition. And I was like, okay, these are the rules. You got to play, you got to play your, your Highland pipes at least once a day. Mm. You know, one tune, and it could be as easy as like, you know, row and tree. And then you can put them down and that counts. And then you also have to post in this like private Facebook Facebook group that I set up, like a picture or something or a video. You know, it could be, you know, you could put a video if you want, but it doesn't have to be a video. Like holding just, up like, today's a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Or like just like a picture with you holding your bagpipes. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, then we're like, so, and I'm going to like, I'm going to sweeten the deal with like a couple of prizes. So the, 
the the first like I made like two categories. I was like, we'll do it if there's a if there's anybody that gets a hundred that gets all hundred days without missing a day, they'll get prize one, which will be like it was a copy of Scott's Guards one, mm. and it was I think it was two. I think, I, I think I threw in two CDs. I think it was the at the time the most recent Field Marshal pre Worlds concert mm-hmm. and the St. Lawrence concert that like the mm-hmm. tourist kill that like it, like it just came out that year. Yeah, and because I saw the I saw the concert in Glasgow the year before that or two years before that, mm-hmm. and I was like that was fantastic. And I was also it was also the, the idea of like these guys need some like some good piping, you know, to, to, you know, a lot of them weren't like really like immersed into the piping culture, you know? So they, they needed some good exposure. Right. And then if the, the other option of prizes was like, if, if you didn't, if nobody makes the the hundred days, whoever gets the most days out of a hundred will get the two CDs, but you don't get the two. Mm. Um, and we actually had, we had one guy that, that got all, all hundred days, and uh, and he was actually he was playing he was cross training as a drummer. So for a while he was playing as a drummer, but he was playing Highland Pipes for for the all hundred days, and we ended up he ended up, you know, he got a copy of the Scots Guards one and a uh, copy of the Field Marshal and St. Lawrence albums. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the the uh, part of me was like. Like I really wanted like everybody to like do you know all hundred days of it, but like part of me was very happy that only one person did it because I was only <laughs> one copy of Scott's right. cards that I had yeah. to buy and one you know I was That's like a relief. <laughs> I was like, man, like I hope they don't. I hope they all don't do this. It's going to be expensive, right? It's you like know? please do it, but also maybe please don't do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe like miss a day, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was you know that was that was definitely just kind of like a fun way to like keep people playing and you know right. keep, keep things going and like. We ended up, you know, because our our governor relaxed some of the like outdoor greeting rule, like outdoor meeting rules. Yeah, like fairly early, it was like by like May June, like you could have like gatherings up to twenty five. Our band was small enough that at the time we we're like, if we had twenty five people, that was a good problem. You know, mm, that was like right. a, if only, a, yeah. So, uh, you know, we we started then practicing like in the school parking lot again, which was which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a wild time. I don't know how it was out west, but like out here, it was it was wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, for sure, crazy, great, crazy time for sure. Yeah, and and I think I think we tried also in our in our band to kind of like do some things to keep keep in touch with each other and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, not not quite so as I, formal for playing as what you did though. That seems like a really great idea. I try. I tried doing. I tried doing like, like a like a Zoom practice, right? Yeah, and like the first, the first week, uh, like I tried it, and I was like, okay, this is not, this is not gonna work, like, because I, I I had been taking like they can be lessons so online with Ian and, and Andrea, so like I knew how like, uh, like you can't play together at the same time because right. of like, the delay, and then like all that you'd have to like. You know, put people on mute or whatnot. And I was like, this is going to be frustrating to do as like, as a band. Yeah. So then after that first week, I was like, okay, I'm giving you guys like, we can do like 
kind of like half hour private lessons, so to speak. Right. You know, yeah. You know, throughout the week. And, um, like these are like time slots that I'm available and we can just, you know, do like a half hour on Zoom. We can work on some of the band tunes or whatnot. And only a couple of guys like actually like took it up with me, which was kind of frustrating. It was just like, you're, you're, like you're not doing anything else, like, right? You, one, one would like <laughs> to see a higher level of like interest and enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, that was that was a little bit frustrating, and then yeah. I ended up, I ended up uh, turning in the pipe major sash that you know that that fall. Um, I actually ended up moving to New Hampshire, so that uh, was a good way for me to <laughs> me to good time to retire. Time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was. COVID was a wild time, and I hope we don't <laughs> hope we don't go through that again. Yeah, I'd like to not do that again for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what we did once uh, in the band that I play with right now that it wasn't during COVID, but it was a lot of fun. Is we uh, we divided the entire band into Hogwarts houses, and um, like one person in each was like the head of house to gather sort of the stats for every day, and then every day we had like things you had to do, and if you did them, you got house points. That's cool. And it was like it was ran, ran for like a month, and then there was a you know one of the houses won at the end. Did you, did you have the sorting hat? Like how did you how did you sort people? Yeah, we did have a sort. I'm trying to remember how we did that. I think it was something like to get sorted. Of course, we knew we wanted pretty close to even numbers across the board, but mm-hmm. it was like to be sorted. We had everybody send it. It's, it's mixing in my mind now with like a, a similar like fitness challenge that a friend of mine ran once. But I think that we had everybody send just like comment on a on a slack post um a, f- a picture of an owl and then we use some kind of criteria for like all right at least to get started all the all the owls of us anybody who posted like a white owl goes in this house anybody who posted like a small owl goes in that house you know <laughs> that was at least a way to get it started and then we kind of evened the numbers up after that you know something like that seems like that seems like a like kind of like a fun thing to do well, you know, maybe, maybe especially, maybe specifically for people in in our age bracket, you know, people who are enthusi- who grew up with the Harry Potter's books yeah. as they were being published. You know, I don't know if everybody's as enthusiastic about that kind of idea, but it made a lot of sense for the people around our age for sure. Well, I was so like the the band was. I brought down the the average age by a decade or two. Ah, yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I was. I was pipe major. I, I took over pipe major at like twenty. I was twenty five or twenty six. I think. Mm-hmm. So, tw- <coughs> excuse me. No um, yeah, I think it was like twenty five or twenty six, and yeah, I was definitely I was the youngest like mm-hmm. in the band for a while, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting thing. Like, there's like leading your peers, and then there's like. Leading, like, leading your people, elders, <laughs> like leading people that could like easily be your parents' age, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, it can be a weird Which dynamic. Was, yeah, it, it definitely. Uh, <coughs> excuse me for the cough. Definitely, no uh, definitely was. Uh, but I, I, I learned a lot from that, and uh, actually, a, a buddy and I have started a. We started a new a new pipe band uh, oh, did in you? the area. Yeah. Um, which has been a bit of a, you know, it's been a bit of a challenge. Like I said earlier, like we have more bands in the area than you can shake a stick at. So yeah. it's like, it's, you're dealing with like the problem of like a somewhat limited amount of people. And I say that, you know, 
kind of sarcastically because it's New Jersey and there's like a ton of people here. Yeah. Um, you know, with like a high number of bands versus like up in Vermont, they had a recruiting problem as well because they just had no people. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. They, there was like, there were like two bands in Vermont, you know, minus the, the school band. And half of the Vermont but, population was already in those two bands. But <laughs> like, you know, there's like, there's like seven people in Vermont and like right. you know, 10 moose, you know, like yeah. it's, it's hard to get numbers for, you know, for, for a bike band. And we, I mean, Catamount was lucky. We had like, we had a grade five and a grade four. Mm. So we were as like a full band. We were probably putting out like, we probably could have put out like 40 yeah. or something, which is like, you know, that's pretty big, a nice pretty big good. sound. And yeah. yeah. Like my friend, Mike, he was telling me of, there was one, it was one Scotland trip, uh, 2013 i wasn't i wasn't on this but like they were they were done competing for the day both bands had gone out and competed and they were like gonna go to mass bands but they were stopping at like the beer tent first or something naturally anyway as you do yeah and so they like they marched over to the beer tent playing castle dangerous and colin scattle oh yeah and it was just this, like, it was, like, it was, like, a combined, you know, grade five and grade four. Did, did they think like, mass bands was already starting? <laughs> like, they were, like, their own mass band at that yeah. point, basically. <laughs> it was, like, you know, like, and Michael saying it was just this, like, wall of sound. that like, yeah. came over the hill and just, like, saw this thing. And everybody was just kind of, like, who are these guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, who are these, like, crazy Americans? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, like, so starting, starting a new band from scratch is definitely a... a it's definitely a, a a struggle for I, sure. You, for it's sure, a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can, I, I would advise. I would advise against it. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's kind of fun. Like we we had some students in the fall, but they had to stop for you know for various reasons. You know, life kind of got in the way. Yeah. And then we actually just we just picked up another student in the past couple weeks. Uh, he had played in a band in Brooklyn, like. 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like getting him back, you know, teaching him again kind of thing. So that he'll be, I think pretty good, but that, that's, yeah, that can help a lot. That's not, not that I know what I'm doing, but my friends and I, who started the band that we play with now, it, we started in 2015 and for sure, very, very, a lot of fun challenges that you didn't yeah. think were a thing that you suddenly get surprised by. Right. But, but we did find that like, when some marketing efforts were put toward like turning over rocks to find any pipers or drummers that may be used to play that are in the area that don't play anymore and kind of reactivating them, uh, did, did prove fruitful. And that's a, that's a handy way to get some numbers going for sure. Yeah. Like it's one of the kind of upsides of, you know, being a smaller band, like right now it's just, it's just really two, two people. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, Musically, you can do a lot more you know, in terms sure, of like yeah. you know learning tunes like and and that was kind of like one of the reasons why why we kind of wanted to start our own thing was like we wanted to do more than just play Scott and the Brave and Rowan Tree and mm-hmm. you know Mr. Boy and Martin the Green and um you know we we eventually want to compete as a band I don't know if that will happen um but hopefully within you know four or five years, I think it's kind of like the long-term vision we have for that. We'll mm-hmm. be able to hit the grass, but like, you know, we, we played a bunch around St. Patrick's Day. We, we developed like these, like, like two, like 15 minute, like pub sets, so to speak. Yeah. And you're like, 
I think we were playing like in totality, I think we were playing like 30 tunes or something. Mm. You know, it was just like, and, and it was all like, it was all like different, different kind of music. And it was just, it was just kind of nice to be able to, to be able to do that. And, you know, that's something that I wasn't really able to do in the, in, in the other band um, yeah. as much. Cause it's like, you know, I'm sure like, were, were you the, were you the pipe major at all? I have been before. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of have to play to your, to your weakest player in some cases. Right. You know, like, when it, especially when it comes know, to tune selection and how you're going to yeah, play the like, tunes and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can't give them, you know, you can't give them like, it's not, it's, 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 it's advised against of giving them a binder full of music, you know, like 30 or 40 tunes saying here. Overwhelming. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe like, <laughs> like grade two and grade one. Sure. But not, not, not when you, yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, even in the higher grades, I mean, unless they're unless they're preparing for a concert, I don't know how much how much music they're actually playing. You think well, that's that's just me thinking. Like somebody who wants to play with one of those bands probably yeah. has the the experience and fortitude to be like, okay, give me the binder. Now I know how to take this into small pieces and work yeah. through it. Right. That's not necessarily the case in uh, your typical community band. Yeah, it's like. How long, how long does it take you to learn a three, four march? You know, like, so far 12 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, dream Valley of Glendoral only has three bar, three lines of music. And it's taking you three years to learn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the, the struggles of, uh, of, of road band, road band leadership, you know, like, uh, sounds like the uh, the motivation for the inception of the Channer rant right here. <laughs> I was, was going to say the same thing. I was like, I identify like when I I started, I I was I'm one of the original six. I'm going to say that yeah. out loud. Um, they started in February of eighteen, and I I heard the first episode not too long after that. It was like you're one of the maybe, legit six. Yeah, and I was like, I can totally relate. <laughs> what you guys are doing right now like yeah like uh these you know just like learn, learn your music it's not that hard you know like and you know i i think i definitely i identify a little bit more with fusco being like you know the kind of like the bagpipe nerd of uh-huh. it all yeah and you know kind of getting back what i was saying like at, at college like i realized that not everybody has the same enthusiasm level as mm-hmm. me and and yeah. if we did like if if the band did We'd be in, I think we'd be in better shape because, like, yeah, you can. It's one thing of having the skills, but if you have like the enthusiasm and drive for it, you can you can work you can work up those skills. Yeah, that's that. You I know? think you're right. I think that makes a bigger difference, really, overall. Is if you're enthusiastic about the thing, you'll you'll learn the skills you need eventually. Yeah, or I'll, or I'm willing to teach it, teach yeah. them to you, you know, yeah. and like and but yeah, it's just. I guess that's. I guess that's life overall. I think I, I think I used that in a job interview once about like oh, yeah. my, my pipe major experience or something. I was like, I could like, I could deal with people that don't really want to be here and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. hopefully get them motivated to be here. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if I ended up getting the job or not, but it was, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, uh, definitely something that I could draw on, which was, which was kind of neat. Well, I, um, I I like that, like, not not that I'm, you know, in any way authorized to, like, make conclusions about, like, your life, Andrew, of course, right? But I like that, like, it's a visible thing as a third-party observer to see, like, you have 
allowed your interests or passions to like carry you to places you know to things and um i think that's that's man i don't know like there are different takes on what makes a good life but it seems to me like at least an element in what makes a good life is finding something that you can be into like that that you can like yeah something you can be enthusiastic about and chasing it and like even just like the like the literal places that the bagpipes have taken yeah, I was thinking figurative, yeah. but you're right. That'd be like, like literally I, places. Yeah, I've 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 been I've been to Scotland because of the bagpipes. Yeah. I've I've out of the three trips that I've taken to four trips that I've taken to Canada, mm. um, three of them were somewhat bagpipe related. Mm-hmm. Um, one was like uh, two trips to Cape Breton. I mean, I got like weren't like necessarily for piping, but like I brought my pipes with me. Yeah, that had to figure this, into it, right? This the first the first trip that I that I went on. Um, my my buddy Ian, his his good friend Rob, was getting married, mm. and um, Ian's family couldn't go. They normally go like at least every other summer or whatnot, but they couldn't go for whatever reason. And he was like, "Well, I gotta go play at Rob's wedding. You want to mm-hmm. like, you want to come? We'll like, we'll spend a week in Cape Breton. We'll I'll show you around." I'm like, "Is you know, is the Pope Catholic? Does yeah, does, right, does it yeah. snow in December? <laughs> you like, kidding? you know?" Um, I was like, "Sure, let me like, let me talk to my boss at work because it was like some somewhat last minute. I mean, like, yeah, it was you know." July ish and or late June, early July, and we were like we were going in August. So it wasn't like, you know, like, hey, I'm tomorrow. going to Nova Scotia tomorrow, but right. like you know, it was it was a little bit last minute. I was like, let me check to see if I can if I can get the leave approved and you know, go from there. And so I did and it was it was great. Like we went we went to I went up to his house in Vermont and then we left at like six in the morning and made it all the way there. We got there at like we got to. Ian has a very good friend that he's been staying with uh, up in Dingwall, which is like the northern tip of the island. Like mm. you go a little bit further, and it's like you're gonna be in the water and then go into Newfoundland, right? Mm. Um, so we got to his house at like twelve thirty in the morning. <laughs> you know, the next day, yeah. and it was yeah, you know, it was just fantastic. And actually, there's a there's a fun story about about a bagpipe with with, with that trip. Oh yeah. Um so Rob his great grandfather, I think it is, this this fellow Sandy McClellan, immigrated from Scotland to Cape Breton in the latish eighteen hundreds. And he was a piper and he brought his pipes with him, obviously, mm. as you do. Um and he had played and I I don't know if his if his son had played or whatnot, but like there were like two pictures on the wall and it was like the Pope and the picture of Sandy, you know, the, the yeah. kind of like the patriarch of the family. Right. That's appropriate, um, yeah. And, and Sandy might've been a little bit higher than the Pope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he had, you know, he had played the pipes and they'd known that he had, they had played the pipes and it was like 20, well, Rob got married in 2017. So this must've been in like, 2014 or 2015 and 
somebody like happened upon these bagpipes. Like they were in a box under some uncle's bed or somebody. Oh, or really? Something. And they hadn't been played in since the thirties or they were thinking like, mm. so we're talking a good, you know, almost 80 years that, you know, so they were kind of in disrepair. There were some cracks. They were very dry and they, they needed a whole new bag. Um, and, so Ian was actually Ian and his wife were up when they when these pipes were discovered, and Rob, you know, they had like a family meeting and they were like, "Well, we've we've come to the conclusion that the best thing to do is to give them to Ian, and we'll have his father, you know, repair them because his father's a, Ian's father's a pipe maker, yeah. Um, so he can you know restore them, repair them, and get them playing again. So he did, and Ian brought the pipes back up. When we went up for for Rob's wedding, oh, so he had him with and him, and he then. and he played, he played those pipes at Rob's wedding. Oh, dude, that's so cool! It was it was really cool, like and like, so like Rob was like telling the story, and like there was some of like the old aunts and uncles and whatnot that were like, they got very emotional from this, and yeah. it was like it was like almost as we brought like the the great grandfather like. It was it was almost akin to like bringing like an urn of ashes, you know, right? Like, this, yeah. like it was like the same idea, but it was you know I, I I it was really cool that I just had like a you know a very small part in that uh, you know in bringing those pipes back to Cape Breton, right? You know, like they, I, I you know, they, they drove my car over the border. That was like really the only right. small part that I had, <laughs> but it was you know it was cool that I was like someone involved with it and like well and even just um, to witness it, man. That sounds like a really yeah. that's got to be like and, a, one of those palpable experiences, you know, like you feel something in the air kind of thing. So it's it's and like and that whole trip, like Ian and I were we were um kind of coming up with like different different tune names, right? That you know that. Like to kind of like commemorate different, you know, aspects of the trip. Mm. Um, you know, as like, if you, if you think about all of our, all all bagpipe tune names are all, you know, somebody's, you know, somebody's welcome to some place or somebody's, somebody's farewell, farewell to some other place, yeah, some yeah. place or whatnot. <laughs> and, you know, so we were, I, I just had like a running list on like a, on like a note, you know, like on the, the note app on like on the iPhone. Yeah. Um, of just like, oh, well, this, this would be a good tune name or whatever. And like, one of the ones that I came up with, which I still haven't written the tune for yet, but hopefully I will eventually, um, was, you know, Sandy's old pipes. Mm. And so I'm thinking like probably like a Strasbay or something like a good, like a good Cape Breton sounding tune for, for that would be a, yeah. a good, would be appropriate. But that was, that was just like a really neat thing to be a part of. And like, luckily, I don't know, I don't know how they got over the border the first time because I mean, these were, these were made in the, 1870s so yeah the blackwood restriction is that well and ivory you know oh yeah that too that's so um so luckily going into canada that's not really an issue Mm. it's only coming you know coming coming back into the states and we we didn't have the pipes coming back you know luckily but like going in going into canada i was like we were like a little worried and you know you should you could put like a brick of cocaine in the in the glove compartment to distract them so they'll focus yeah, on that and yeah. ignore the bagpipes, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, like we were and we we also we also brought we also brought in like some steaks. We like smuggled some oh, steaks yeah. into the country, <laughs> which is you know, like 
you're not so you could actually bring in frozen meat, you know, like frozen and packaged meat into because I, 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 the reason why I bring this up is because on a trip, uh, back up in two years after we went up for Celtic Colors, which is in October, and it's it starts like Columbus Day weekend, which is you know their Thanksgiving, so we figured like oh we'll have like we can do like a Canadian Thanksgiving dinner, which is basically an American Thanksgiving dinner just in October. Yeah, you know, the in October and in, in Canada. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and and yeah, and in Canada. Um, but getting a turkey is like hard to do in Canada because oh, it's yeah. just like it's expensive. And like my mom had one in the freezer or something. And she was like, "You know, we haven't used this." It's like like our local supermarket would be like, if you spend like four hundred dollars, you know, in the month before Thanksgiving, you get a free turkey. You get a turkey, you know, yeah. Like that. That so like we had like a frozen turkey in, in the fridge that might have been from like last year's Thanksgiving. I was like. Are you using that turkey? Can I uh can I bring it on the trip? She was like, Yeah, sure. So I actually I actually went on the like Canadian customs website to check and they're like, Yeah, you can bring in one frozen turkey per person. Um, <laughs> it's great that there's like this. <laughs> Don't try to bring two. <laughs> yeah. So like we like we there were three of us in the car. Yeah. So we could have we could have actually brought in like three frozen turkeys. Could have brought I don't three know, turkeys. Like that's a lot of turkey, and there was only five of us for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, like, but um, I actually I wrote a tune about that called uh, "The Three Pipers and the Turkey." And That's crazy. Yeah, you know, but like one that on that first trip going up, like you know, we get to the border, and we're in my we're in my car that has Jersey plates, and Ian's from Vermont, and I'm from I'm from Jersey, and you know we we obviously don't have the same last name or anything like that, and we give up. We give over our passports to the to the border guard, and they're like, "Oh, how are you guys related?" <laughs> and Ian pops up. Like, well, we play in the same pipe band. <laughs> there you go. That's how you're related. <laughs> and this guy just kind of gave us this look, like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> Enjoy your trip." You Most know? sensible thing in the world to him. <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, I guess like you figure like, Marion, like New Brunswick. Ontario, like there's a lot of there's a lot of pipe, you know, there's a lot of piping in, in those those you know, in yeah. Nova Scotia as well. There's a lot of piping in those parts. But it's just like the guy was not expecting that answer at all. Yeah. <laughs> and that that was kind of a fun a fun thing and like Well, you know he's gotta be careful watching out for those poultry smugglers, you know, so it might have been you yeah, guys. So. Yeah, it's like luckily like we were a car in front of us, they had they had they were from Newfoundland and they had, you know, they got open the trunk and looking mm. in the hole. We, they were just like, oh, where are you going? It's like, oh, enjoy. Like, yeah. that, was, that was nice. Yeah. Um, it's always a nice nice thing to make, you know, the border crossings easier. Right. Because, um, like, on that second trip, we had more of an issue getting into Canada. Like, we actually had to, like, get out of the car. We had to go into, the, like, the building. They, like, searched through the whole car. Because, like, we said that we were going for Celtic Colors, and then we also said that we were Pipers. So they thought like we were we were like maybe trying to get like a few gigs or something. Oh, and, like, yeah, yeah, they're they're really big on that. So, but the uh, the border guard was a little he was a little bit like a like a just kind of like a like an angry fella, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so on the on the trip up, like Ian, I don't, I don't know who was driving. There were three of us. It was me, Ian, and Mike McDenchwith, who I mentioned earlier. Um, 
I don't remember who was driving, but Ian wasn't, and he like wrote a like Strasbay on the way, mm. and we're we're the the project it's, it's not finished yet, and it should be because it's it happened like three years ago already. But um, the idea was that we were going to write like our own our own milling song, like our own walking song. Yeah, you know, in Gaelic that like described the whole trip and one of like one of the verses is going to be about this this border guard um mm. because you know like he was a little bit of a he was a little bit of a pain and like you know that's like that's like the number one rule like you don't you don't be a uh you don't be a pain to people that can write songs or poetry because you'll probably get you'll you'll get mentioned <laughs> you'll, in you'll, the, be you'll be mentioned you know yeah um and like the other like like the guy in like the office like he was he was cool it was like you know like he probably would like he would have been like great crack at a kitchen party or something but like yeah. <laughs> this other guy was just like you know it was just and we we finally got through and it was like it was clear selling from there it was just like yeah I'm I'm always on the few international trips that I've taken i'm always a little getting through customs i'm always just a little anxious it's nothing like nothing yeah. illegal or anything but it's just like you know once if you once they don't jid then like then what do you do like then you're stuck in you know in right. maine or or you're or like you know worse if, uh, if you have to fly and you're like yeah you miss your flight and all that kind of stuff you know like if, you, if they don't let you in like and you're already in scotland like you've already landed but they don't let you go through customs like then what do you do you know yeah. like so i've always had that like you know just kind of like a little bit of anxiousness in the back of the head, which is probably unfounded. It's probably there's probably no need to worry, but sure, yeah, such as uh, such as life in twenty, yeah, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Yeah, it was funny since I don't know who the heck it was. I can't get anybody in trouble. But this one time, I wasn't going international. I was just I, I can't remember where I was going. I think I was going to Cal- Colorado or something. But I showed up to an a- the airport here in Salt Lake City, and but I had I was there at like three thirty in the morning. Like I had a really early flight. Oof. And I was getting going zigzagging through the, you know, the the rope maze that they set up to get to the TSA checkpoint to get in there. And uh, one of the agents just like opened up the rope and let me and the other like eight people who were there just walk through. And as we're walking nice. through, he's like, y'all just come on through, head off to your gates. Uh, anybody who's going to cause mischief isn't getting up this early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> just- <laughs> have you Have you had any issues like traveling with your bagpipes oh dude yeah um like i have taken them with me just stuff like this like work trips that like i'm gonna be away for a while so i'll take it's usually my small pipes i take with me but every single time i get one of the you know my my case that i have them in gets one of those special searches i think it just looks suspicious all those pipes in there you know it just looks like some kind of assembly of something i remember the the first time i the first time i I flew with with my bagpipes uh unfortunately it was for a funeral my Mm. my dad's aunt lived down you know she, she lived down in florida so we we went down for the funeral i played the funeral but uh my dad was like really anal about like the like carry-on dimensions oh yeah yeah and like since then i like i have like one of those like you know like those like backpack pipe cases and like yeah, dude. that works perfect for a carry-on like you, you just put it over the thing you're good like you know but like i didn't have that kind of case i had like a hard i actually had a hard like it was like a rifle case or something i, I had the like, same kind of case yeah i know what you mean um but like my dad had this like weird like box kind of luggage thing that was like i bet he likes tetris 
Uh, he might. I don't know if he doesn't. But like, it like the pipes wouldn't fit in them without like taking like the drones like completely apart and whatnot. But they, right. but it like it met the like you know the FAA like carry on dimensions. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. So I like I, I break down the the all the drones right. So like the ten the base drones are in three parts. The tenor drones are in two parts. Mm-hmm. And I had the bag of the channer and all that. And then like. I had my I had my tuner with me, right? Mm-hmm. And we were at, at that point we were using like just like a regular Korg tuner, but it had a um like one of those clip on microphones that you can like yeah. you can like clip onto the drone and then run the cable down to the and then runs so like I have these all sorts of weird looking pipes, it, right? Yeah, even in my imagination, it looks pretty suspicious. Yeah, <laughs> a wire. Yeah. <laughs> and an electronic device, right? Yeah. Like, if that doesn't scream bomb, right? I don't know what does, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm going through the airport, and whatnot, and like, like, they're, like, looking through it, and I was like, oh, what are these? They're like, oh, it's a set of batteries. Oh, that's cool. And, like, they just went, went right through, went right on through. Okay, well, that... I had, <laughs> yeah, I had, I had, like, no issue um, coming back. And then, like, a year later, um, I was doing some summer classes uh, up at up at school in Vermont, and it was Fourth of July weekend. And we had a we had a three day weekend because it was between like the first summer session and the second summer session. And my buddy Nick was he was in the Marines at the time, and he was stationed in Okinawa. So he was coming in for a couple of weeks of leave from Japan. So I was like, oh, I'll I'll come down, and you know, we were having like a Fourth of July barbecue and all that. And I was like, well, I'm going to bring my pipes. I was like, I'm not going to not play on the Fourth of July. Right. Like, and so I had like a old like army rucksack that I was using as like my, as my like carry on bag. And I didn't really need like a, a whole thing of luggage because like, you know, all my clothes were like at home. And, right, you know, right, I, yeah. like, so I had like my bagpipes. I brought a tin whistle. And like a pair of flip flops, and like a t shirt and a bathing suit. That was it. Right? Mm-hmm. Not very light traveling, you know, luggage. And the bagpipes like fit in the rucksack fine. Like you take the bass drum apart and you're good. And like, and I told them, like, when I was going through the like metal detector thing and the, and the, the clearing thing, I was like, that's what this is what's in the bag. It's like a set of bagpipes, a tin whistle. You know, flip-flops, bathing suit, t-shirt, etc. Mm-hmm. And they put it through the thing, and then they take it out. And yeah. then they put it through the thing again, and then they take it out. And they put it through the, and the third time. It was like, uh, sir, we're going to have to open up your bag. And yeah. I'm like, just be very careful, mm-hmm. because these bagpipes are probably worth more than your life. You know, yeah. like, yeah. at least to me they were, you right. know? Right, to, to, to the piper and, they sure are, right, yeah. And, you know, they, like, they looked through it. And I, was, I, like, I was really worried about, like, them like breaking the chainer, right? Because that was separate, and right. it was it was a, it was a wooden chainer. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, it. So they they were like, okay, like it works out. Well, they they uh, I got it. Uh, I was able to get on the plane. Coming back, I'm flying out of Newark. So New like I was flying out of Vermont, which is like it's a real tiny airport. It's Burlington Airport's like you know like one one gate, you know, not one gate, but like one terminal. There's you know it's, right. It's it's an international airport only because like they have like 
flights to Montreal, like if a plane uh, gets diverted. Yeah. Like that's like right. really the only reason why. Um, so flying out of Newark, I mean, I'm sure you've flown out of Newark or flown to Newark, or it's like yeah, big airport, like three or four different terminals, like you know they got everybody. And like so, I'm walking through the airport with my with my with my bagpipes and getting ready to go through security. And I'm thinking like at this time I'll just like take my pipes fully out of the bag. I'll put it in their own little like crate to go in the in the screener so that they could see, oh, it's a bagpipe. You don't have to worry about it. And like, um, and I like, I had the, I think I had like the bass drum a little bit sticking out of the rucksack because it's one of those like old, like, you know, like it has like the front flap and you can kind of stick things out through it. And I'm walking past like two Port Authority cops. I'm like, oh, nice bagpipes. (laughs) So like they knew, they knew what it was, you know, because like, again, like, like the Port Authority has a police pipe band and like, you know, like, Everybody like yeah, it's like my friend Mike is. Those guys probably has, actually played. I don't know. If, I don't know if they played or not, but like they're they're definitely aware of it. And yeah. like I had I had no issues in Newark. I just like well, besides missing my flight, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, I had no issues at least going through security. And yeah, it's and then like after that, I've I've been fine playing. You know, I've brought my pipes. And I brought my pipes and my fiddle once on a plane. That was interesting because mm. I. I was going up for to Vermont for band practice, and I was like, "Well, my buddy, my buddy Andrew, who I was carpooling with, he had to go up like a day earlier or something, and I had to go up a day later or whatever." So I actually ended up like flying to band practice. I felt like I was like one of those like you know grade one guys that like you, know, you felt like a pretty play, big deal, uh, right? You yeah. know, like, like they like play like like you know they're they're playing on like SFU and they live in California or right, something. Like yeah. yeah, we gotta I gotta go fly up to Vancouver for band practice. It's right. like, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so like, but there was gonna be like a, a Kaylee and a kitchen party the, the night you know that night. So and I and I was driving home with with my friend Andrew, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the Sunday. So it was like this like weird like one way flight, and I had like I had my bagpipes in my pipe case with my small pipes tucked in and then like a change of clothes and a blanket and like, <laughs> like tucked the zip- in there too around the bagpipes kind of thing. Yeah. Like this, the zipper almost like broke on the pipe case. <laughs> so I had that, that was like my, that was like my carry on. So yeah. to speak. And you know how you're, you're allowed like your carry on on like a personal bag. So I had like, that, and then like my, and my fiddle case was like the personal <laughs> bag or something. Bag. <laughs> yeah. And I like, and I, I I got I I come off the plane and I got like you know I got the bagpipes over on on my back I got like the fiddle kind of like draped you know draped over my shoulder kind of thing I was like I'm like a mobile Kaylee right yeah, now you yeah. know between the the bagpipes the small pipes the the, the tin whistles you know it's like you're a, you're a whole touring uh, a whole touring pop, band there pop up Kaylee you know ready yeah. to, ready to go yeah jeez. Now, do you have any? Do you happen to have a recording of any of the tunes you've written, like the the three pipers and the turkey, or anything like that? Um, I have actually. I have a few recordings. Um, some of them are just on like videos I've just made and like put them on Facebook. Right. Yeah. Um, I could I could send you a link. I was just thinking that that'd be a fun thing to insert there. I mean, really, any tune that you've written. Yeah, I love getting um, tunes that people wrote on the show. You know, so actually, I, I wrote. One, um, so were you, were you aware of that? There was that really bad shooting in Nova Scotia like three years ago. Oh, was it, was that the one that was like a, like a kid's camp kind of thing? No, it was like, it kind of went, it was like, 
it kind of went on for like two days. Like this mm. guy just like this guy just kind of like was like driving through the. It was it was really. It, was, oh. it wasn't. It wasn't pleasant. It, it wasn't like um, a like at a place. He was like driving around shooting. Yeah, like it started with like a, I don't know the whole story, but like, like it ended up with like nineteen or twenty people Jeez. being killed. That well, the, um, sad, the sad truth is, Andrew. It, that sounds vaguely familiar, but uh, I sure you know you sure hear about a lot of shootings. So yeah, yeah. It, well, it wasn't. It wasn't really covered. Um, on like U.S. news or anything, we had other shootings uh, to cover at the time. I'm yeah, sure and like a- COVID, COVID was going on and all that. And, yeah, but I I heard about it from you know like from friends in Nova Scotia and whatnot, and like there was there just seemed to be this like collective grief. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, geez. You know, like across the province, because like that stuff normally doesn't like happen <laughs> there. Like even as an Amer- even as an American, I was like. You don't you don't expect that to happen in Canada, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, like 2020, I was writing because the band wasn't playing really. Both bands that I was in weren't wasn't playing, so I just I wrote like a ton of music in 2020, mm-hmm. and um, I wrote this one tune called "Krija Brista Albanui" or Nova Scotia's Broken Heart, and it was like a like a lament. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up actually recording it. Um, my friend Ian, he, him, and his daughter started, it and then like we did one of those kind of like COVID recordings, where like you know you get like everybody playing and like the, mm-hmm. like the you know the split screen thing, the you know. celebrity you know celebrity what was it the, Hollywood Squares, Hollywood Squares, you right. know, with like you know, everybody playing, yeah, and um, like a couple of our friends in Nova Scotia played on it, you know, fiddle and piano and stuff, mm-hmm. and but then. Um, it somehow got around to some folks in the, in one of the RCMP bands, one of the Mountie pipe bands. Mm. And since a, a, a Mountie was actually, was killed in the shooting, um, mm. uh, they actually played it for one of the, they played it for the first year anniversary. Oh, did they? Um, and that was like, they, the, uh, the pipe major of the, of the, I guess it was the Nova Scotia Mountie pipe band. Cause there's like multiple mounted police pipe bands mm-hmm. throughout Canada. Um, each, each province has one, and there's like a national one in, in Ottawa. But um, he reached out to me, and he was like, do you mind if if we were to play this as like our, and like for like this like commemoration video? And I was like, I was like floored. I was like really yeah. like, like super honored. Like, unfortunately, it's like, you know, kind of for like a, like a, sad event you know like a, oh totally i, I totally did yeah like, it's like you, you'd rather the event never happened but since yeah you did, it's it's still kind of it's an honor you know it's it's and yeah. it was like really really cool seeing like a whole another pipe band playing like one of the tunes that you made i i i i, I would imagine that's kind of like how like not to put you know words in his mouth but i would imagine that's kind of how fred morrison feels like when like you know yeah, Field Marshall plays like you know the hard drive or something like that, which right, is obviously yeah. a little bit more, a little bit more like happy than than this lament, right? Yeah. Um, but that, like, and and they they you know they showed me the video when they were done with it, and it was like it it came out really good, and like you know they were able to do it like live in person because it was you know like some of their COVID restrictions were a little bit less, because right. they were a little more rural, and it was like really powerful and um i was like super 
super humble, like humbled and honored by. It. And then actually the the pipe major reached out to this other guy who's the I don't know if you heard that the Mounties are putting out a a tune collection. Oh, I didn't uh, hear this, that. No. Yeah, so they're putting out a tune collection this year because it's this is the 150th anniversary of the Mounted Police. Uh-huh. So they're doing like a what is it, sesqui, sesqui yeah, centennial or something? Yeah, um, like tune tune book for the Mounties, mm. and they asked me if I'd be willing to put the tune, if I would be willing to submit it to put in the book, and I'm like, yeah, that's dude. <laughs> You don't have to jeez. ask me twice to that. So yeah, that's coming out. That's coming out in. Um, I don't know when it's coming out. The end of the year, maybe, or the early bit of next year. Okay. Well, tell um, you what. Before I post this episode, I'll check in with you about it. If we know by then when and where people could go for it, I'll make sure there's a link for it in the show notes. Yeah, and there's not to uh, blow my own. Jenner. I was going <laughs> right. to say to my own horn, but I figured since we're talking about let's, bagpipes. Let's keep our metaphors on point here. Um, not not to rosin my own bow or whatever. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> um, I actually, one of my tunes is that is in Barry Shears' new book. Oh, that, really? That, ju- that just came out in Dude. October. Um, so that was, that was really cool. Um, Dang, man. That's awesome. Yeah. There was there was a, there's a fun story about how that tune happened, right? Yeah. Um, so this was in 2019, the same the same trip that we brought the turkeys the turkey over for, right? The turkey trip. The turkey trip, yeah. and um, so we were we left Vermont on a Thursday, and we drove from Vermont to I think it was called Fox River, Nova Scotia. And that's on like it's on the mainland. It's about three-ish hours from Cape Breton Island. Mm. And Ian had a, has a friend who has, a, like, a cottage up there. You know, like a, a summer house type thing. Yeah, yeah. So we... She's she's an American, but you're allowed, you know... You're allowed to... As an American, you're allowed to stay in Canada up to six months mm-hmm. per year without having, like, need a visa and all that good stuff. So she'll spend about half the year up there. And she was still up there before she went home for the winter. Um... So we stayed with her for the night um, and made a nice little visit. And she had a, she has this friend, uh, this, this lady, Donna McNeil, um, who just had a, at the time she just, uh, she just had a grandchild and uh, this lady D or Denise, um, who we were staying with had a bunch of books from like when her kids were kids kind of thing to give to Donna to, you know, for like, like for, for her, for her, for her new, her new grandchild. Yeah. So she was like, she works at this, at this restaurant called the, the Red Shoe Pub. Um, and like, since you guys are going to be going there anyway, if you could just drop them off, like, mm. that'd be great. So like, sure. Like, you know, what we had room in the car and like, why would <laughs> you had room next to the turkey? So you could you ba- basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so we had this whole box of books and we were planning on, so we were staying in, in Mabu that night. And so M- Mabu's on the, the west side of the island. We were staying there and then we were going to go see, uh, two Celtic color shows that day, uh, in the area. And then that night we were then going to go up to Ian's friend Stan, which is all the way like on the north tip. So it's like about a two hour, two to three hour drive from, from Mabu to, to Dingwall. 
And we were planning on just camping because, like, it's cheap and it's easy and, you know, you don't have to worry about a hotel and all that. And, like, you know, like, we don't, you know, Ian was a Boy Scout and I was, you know, in Scouts, all that yeah. we don't have to worry about, <laughs> you know, like, and it's just one night. So I was like, yeah, you can, we can, we can do it. You're rough at that. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, October in Nova Scotia. So mm. it's like not exactly the warmest time of the year. Yeah. And it was a little bit wet that year, a little bit wet that night and a little bit windy and whatnot. And so we get to the, we get to the place where we were going to eat this, this place called the Red Shoe Pub, which also has like live music, you know, most of the nights in the summer, or like at least Friday, Saturday nights, you know, fi- you know, fiddle and piano and all the, all the good traditional stuff. And we wanted to like at least see, do we need to make reservations or whatnot? Cause we knew it was going to be a busy night being the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. And then, cause their Thanksgiving is on a Monday. Yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. Unlike ours, which is on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, unlike, unlike, also, unlike the real Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was also, you know, the, the first, the start of Celtic Color. So we knew the place was going to be busy. So we're like, let's yeah. see if we need to like make a reservation or whatnot. Let's do that now. We'll then, we'll go to the, we'll go to the campsite. We'll get checked in. We'll set up our tent and whatnot so that like, we're not setting up our tents in the dark, you know? Always a pain, um, yeah. 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 So, and we, and we're like, let's just, like, drop off the books now so that, like, they're out of the car. We don't have to worry about them, all this stuff. So, Ian brings in the books to, you know, just, he brings in the books to Donna. And Donna's like, so where are you guys, where are you guys staying tonight? And Ian's like, oh, we're going to be in the, the, the campground there at, uh, over in West Mabu. Mm. It's like, no. It's it's cold. It's windy. It's wet. Yeah, just just stay with us. Mm. Like now we didn't we didn't know this lady from Adam, right? Yeah. Like she's like, ah, hey, you just you just stay with us. She's like, and he was like, okay, well let me let me ask the other two guys, and we'll like you know we'll see. And Ian comes back to the car and he's like, well, plans might have changed. We might have a place to stay that's a, you know like an actual bed and not a tent, right? Um. So like yeah, like this this. You know, this lady Donna offered, offered to, you know, put us up for the night, you know, and we were like, sure, like a bed's a bed. And like, I had like, I had just, I had only like reserved the spot of the campground, but I have it. I didn't like, there was no like down payment or anything like that. So like, I didn't like, we weren't really like financially tied to the, yeah, you weren't invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. To the, to the campground thing. So I was like, well, we could just call and cancel and it won't be an issue. So we go in and we, we became like, you know, we, we went to the, we went to the, into the pub and had dinner. And then like, so it happened that my, my Phil teacher's father was playing that night, which oh, was nice. great, great That's to see. Awesome. Um, and you know, so we stayed for the music and all that. And like, and then, uh, Donna's husband came to pick her up and, we followed them back to their house and it was maybe a 15 minute drive back. And it's like, now it's like closer to midnight. We're driving on these rural roads in Cape Breton. And I'm sure you being out in, you know, Utah, you have plenty of rural roads that are, Heck you know, yeah. dirt roads and, you know, winding. You don't really know exactly where you're going. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're following, we're following this guy and he's like cruising down the road and he's kicking up all this dust. <laughs> and yeah. we're like, where is he going? You know? And we get to their house and like we became like we became like fast friends. It was mm. I think we were we were up till 
I don't think I went to bed until like four because we were just like up chat with them and uh, yeah. they were talking. It was it was great, and it was like instant, instant, uh, like instant friends. Yeah. And I was also having, I was having a little bit of issues with my with battery in my car. Mm. So like that morning we like went to we went to get gas and like I shut the car off to fill up and then I go to shut the car back on and it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it, it wasn't turning. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be fun. Like, we have a whole trip like this. This is this isn't going to be good. Um, so we get we get going, and then like, but the the next day we're at the McNeil's house, and I go to, I go to turn the car on, and like, the the battery was so dead that like, not even the like key fob thing was working. Oh, geez. To like, um, yeah. you know, like to unlock the car. Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> like, and luckily, Blaine, Donna's husband, had like a, one of those jump packs. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so he had a, they have a bit of a, they have a bit of a farm. So they have like tractors and all sorts of stuff. So like, they need that stuff, you know, because they're not like, you can't just call like, you know, CAA or AAA or whatnot. Like, I love together. those jump packs, man. I've got one of those in, yeah. in everything now. Those are and so great. So he got us going, which is great because like, we, I had jumper cables in the car, but right. one, they were under all of our stuff, and two, my car at the time it had one of those like automatic back, like the trunk opened, like automatically right, kind of thing, yeah. like yeah, like so like since the battery was so dead, I couldn't even open the trunk right, to get stuck. you know. Yeah. To, so like, luckily he had one of those jump packs and he got us going because we would have been if we had camped out, we would have been. In pretty big trouble, I think. Yeah, dude. That's um, the, the time that I bought a bunch of those jump packs to put into like our cars, our minivan, and our in my car. You know, was was when we had been out camping, and I'd use yeah. the I'd use the car to pump up the air mattress, and then it was dead in the morning. Oh, and luckily a close another camper who was close by had one of those packs, and I was like, I swear from this day forward, I will never be found without a fully charged yeah. jump pack. You know. And, uh, so I was like, you know, like we definitely like, I definitely need to do something to like honor their hospitality. Yeah, so I was sure. like, you know, I, I wrote this tune, um, and I guess when Barry was putting his new book together, um, Ian, Ian had sent the, the, the music to him. It was like, Hey, like if you're looking for music, like there's this, there's this one tune that's, you know written it was written by an american but it's written about you know right written for two cape Bretoners, so it kind of counts as a, and, and an experience cape in Bretton, the cape Bretton, all that. Yeah. yeah um so it's this nice little like two four march um that I, that I came up with actually i wrote it on the fiddle like i was oh did it you? came to me it came to me on the fiddle first before on the pipes so but you know i was good i made sure that it fit on the pipes because you know, i'm not gonna I'm not yeah. going to be that guy that you know writes fiddle music that doesn't fit on the pipes. So right. Hey. Then you know, you you, you uh, only only you would be able to play with your uh, you know extended range my, my wacko chair, like right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 taking care of the community. You're not going to abandon us. <laughs> well, it's like I like I I found these like great tunes. You know that like like these like great old Strasbays or reels that are like, oh man, what's that tune? You got to look it up, and it's like. You, know, you look it up on like the session or something, and it, like right. goes down to like low C and goes yeah. up to like high D, and you're like, right. "Darn it!" There's, there's like, like it's so out of range. There's no way that you could even like, you know, 
you know, fold it in a little bit, fake it with like, you know, yeah. like putting a grip on a high B or something, or right. like, you know, bringing it down to, down to G and playing it like, you know, down a note or anything. Those are like, you can't do this without like maintaining melodic yeah. integrity. Right. Right. Um, so I was just like, uh, that's, that's the one way to, you know, if you really want to tick a piper off is write a tune out of range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially a real really good one go- that they want to play. Yeah. And that will, that will get them going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, uh, that tune and, and the, that whole story has kind of become like immortalized, I guess, through, uh, through Barry's book now. Well, um, that's, that's awesome, man. I'll make sure I put yeah. a link to where, where to Barry's stuff and, you know, his book and stuff too. In the show. Yeah. I don't, I, they've been selling out pretty quick. So I don't, I don't know his, where, I don't know his exactly. His books always do, man. Yeah. Um, cause I have his, I have his other five books, well, six books, really. You got all moment. of them, huh? Um, I got the three like tune books for Christmas uh, a couple years ago, yeah. ten years ago, and then like when he came out with those with those second volumes, like the the play like you sing it yeah, volumes, yeah. the green and the blue one. Right. I got those, and those are oh, those are fantastic. Those are- I still don't have either. I want to get them both. Yeah, if you can if you can find them. So the volume two one has all like the tunes in it. Mm-hmm. But the volume one one is a, is a little bit more like the history and stuff yeah. of like, you know, local players. And right. it turns out that my buddy Angus, who lives here and he lives in Connecticut, he's uh, McNinch's good friend. His, his, his like great grandfather, I think was from, was from Cape Breton as, as mm-hmm. was like all of, you know, like his brothers and his great uncles and stuff. And one of the, like one of the pipers in the book is like his great oh great uncle or something that's like, awesome. this, like you know this guy like Angus the Black McDonald or something mm. yeah because that, that's you'll find a lot like there's a lot of like a lot of nicknames because like what we were saying about the kings it's like there's like you know five first names to pick from in and the then, whole village they all have the same yeah name. and then like you know you're either a McDonald or a McNeil or a McKenzie or it's right. like which Angus McDonald are we talking about? <laughs> right, it's about not here, even you know, the first the... names, but the last names also match. So yeah. Yeah. So so I was thinking so I'm thinking if you're cool with it, it'd be cool to open the show will fade in on one of the on either the lament or the or the one you wrote for the, the couple there in Cape Breton, and then we'll fade out on the other if you're down. Sure, yeah. Um Which which do you think would be more appropriate to start with versus finish with? Well, I think maybe the Maybe the lament to start with. Uh-huh. Uh, we're kind of starting on like a on a dour note, but like we were talking about the language and whatnot. Since yeah, it that kind fits. of has a, a, a Gaelic title, right. that fits. And then the the march, it's uh, it's actually played on small pipes. The mm-hmm. recording that I have. Um, so that that would be uh, I think that would be good because it's like a little bit a little bit happier than we were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of finishing the conversation with that, I think would be. Uh, well, let's be good. Yeah, let's do it that way. I'll follow up with you for for the recordings, and I'll put them in in post and put links to the stuff and everything. Um, I so I mean I've taken a lot of your time this morning. I appreciate it. Um, I also no I'm not trying to cut you off or anything. Like I can find a graceful spot to fade us out from there into the tunes. Unless do you have any kind of any kind of prepackaged parting words kind of thing you want to share? Or? Um, I mean, not really. I, mean, I guess like a somewhat shameless plug is i'm eventually putting a book out um, Sick, dude. but 
I got to finish it first before I, right, right. you know, do that. But, um, yeah, it's like I started, cause I had written, I had written a few tunes before COVID happened and before, you know, I had written like maybe four or five tunes and then like that meeting with the McNeils and then like a couple of like COVID and like just having like some, a lot of like musical freedom and less mm. responsibility musically. Yeah. It just like opened this whole thing in my brain and like all these tunes started just pouring out. Um, so I've, uh, I want to put together, you know, a book of, I have probably about 45 of my own plus a few like arrangements and dude and whatnot. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm working on like, you definitely have enough out. tunes for a book. Yeah. That's a lot of, yeah. Tunes, working on getting everything written out and like all the, all the other stuff that goes with it. Like the, like the stories about the tunes and right. you know all that stuff. So, well, maybe I'm hoping maybe, I'm hoping by Christmas, but I don't like I'm not I'm not necessarily right, sure right. that's going to happen. Yeah, you don't um, want to promise it yet, right? Yeah, but you don't you don't necessarily have to uh, hold this for the, for the book to come out. Like no, no sweat. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> thinking I'm thinking I'll put it out, and then maybe when the book's out, you know, like maybe sometime next year, you know, after it's come out, then then maybe we can get you back on, and maybe you could pick a half dozen of the tunes. You know, and we could talk about the tunes and the stories behind them, and talk about the book a little bit if you're if you're into it. I think it'd be, sure, yeah. Be I mean, I'm I'm I think I'm pretty good at this whole droning on thing. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the only like I, I you know as an as a nod to a uh, another bagpipe podcast, I uh, I made a big cup of tea before I started. Ah, yes, perfect. Um, <laughs> the only the only thing is that my cup of tea is <laughs> has since run dry. <laughs> Runs dry, goes cold, uh, all of that. Yeah. You know, we'll need we'll need like a uh, an ad break and a yeah yeah. <laughs> this is a two cupper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, no, I'd yeah, I'd definitely be uh, I'd definitely be um, happy to come back on again. This yeah, has been, this has been a lot of fun. Just you know, chatting about bagpipes and sharing stories and that's what it's all about, man. But but thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's a uh, you know, I I really like doing this show, and so it's uh it's like well probably I would still do it just because I enjoy it, but also it's very validating to think that somebody likes it. So I really appreciate yeah, that a lot. and like you know I've I've definitely like like who was that that fellow that you had on with the with the three D bagpipes? Like, oh yeah, really Dave. Cool. Yeah. Um, because I'm like ooh, like maybe I could use that for my new band because you know if we mm-hmm. need to get bagpipes for cheap, <laughs> you know, like right, yeah, that might be a good way to do it or. Dude, so and speaking of his his prices for his complete sets just went down because he finally got hooked up with some suppliers for bags and stuff like that. Oh, nice! So he's actually getting cheaper, not more expensive over oh, time. That's, like fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely some good stuff to keep in mind. And like, yeah, it's you know, it's you're you're helping make the bagpipe world smaller. I mean, it's, ah, a, it's, a, it's already small. It's already you know, small. Yeah, you're helping to make it. You know, helping to make it smaller. Well, I appreciate you know, if you ever, that. If you ever uh, find your find yourself on the East Coast, you know you're more than welcome to come over for some tunes or some tunes and some tea, you know, dude. Tunes and tea, yeah. Like I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, I'll go. Yeah, or maybe maybe some uh, we will we'll cook you up some Italian food or something. There so, we go. There we I'm go. I'm sure the uh, you know I'm sure the options aren't great for Italian food out, out in out in Utah. No, no, not <laughs> at all. And th- and that's. That's the heritage split, right? You you yeah. run with the Irish music and the Italian food. You yeah. got kind of the best of both worlds there. That's awesome. <laughs> B- bagpipes and pasta. You can't go wrong. Yeah, right? man, absolutely. 
I'm actually I'm I'm kind of glad that you didn't ask the uh, the infamous uh, pizza question about pineapples. Oh, this. dude! But but now I got it. Now I got it. <laughs> but now you got it. Yeah. So how do you feel uh, about it? Oh God, no! Like <laughs> there there are there are you know it's like um, New Hampshire state motto, right? Is is live free or die? Yeah, yeah. And that comes from a, a longer quote that was actually live free or die. Death is not the worst of all evils. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the all evils mentioned in that quote is. Pineapples on pizza. Uh, so the the Just, real original quote was like, <laughs> live, uh, "Live free or die." For death is not the greatest of all evils. The greatest of all evils is putting pineapple on pizza. That's the actual it, complete. It, quote, it, right? it might be, yeah, it might be. Like I, I remember I was in in Scotland, and we were, you know, we were like, so we stayed at a at a, like a at a university for like at their in their dorms. Cause oh right, cheap, yeah, and then, like, they, that, yeah. They have like a. Like a like a kitchen area, so you don't you don't have to eat out all the time. You can actually like make you know breakfast and dinner and stuff. Right. And so like one of the first orders of business is like you go you get from the airport, you like check in, you put your luggage down, and then like you make a trip to Tesco or to or to Sainsbury, yeah, know, the local uh, grocery store. Yeah. And I remember seeing in one of them they had like these like you know like pre-packaged pizzas, like you know, mm-hmm. frozen pizza type things. And it was like pizza with haggis on it. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just like, now I love haggis. Like I'm not slagging off haggis. I will, I will eat haggis. I will be the guy at the burn site that like eats everybody else's leftovers. Like, Cause they only want to have the little bit just to say they tried it. I was right, like, just right. feed me up on haggis. Right. Yeah. Some cultural things should not mix. <laughs> haggis on pizza is, is one of those. Yeah. Oh man. Well, now I'm gonna have to try that if I ever get the chance. But it's it's like this similar thing. Like we, um, so obviously, like St. Patrick's Day is in March, Mm -hmm. and uh, St. Joseph's Day is a big day for Italians, especially Southern Italians, and that's March 19th. Oh, is it? Yeah. So sometimes we'll have like a combined St. Joseph St. Patrick's Day party, and you know, like this year, the 18th was on a Saturday, so it was perfect. So we had like a like a combined party. Mm-hmm. I remember one time we did it and like my mom made like chicken parm and whatnot. And then we also had like, the, we also had like the traditional like corned beef and cabbage and all right. that good stuff. So I was like, Hmm, I'm going to try this. So I took the, like, I took the like tomato sauce and like melted mozzarella yeah. from the chicken parm and like put it on the corned beef. Yeah. It was not good. Didn't go well, huh? <laughs> it was. I was like, this was a horrible idea. Like, there's there are certain things that like shouldn't mix, and that's definitely one of them. Let so the Italians like, and the Irish marry each other, but let's not mix their food, huh? <laughs> yeah, like you know, we can we can everything else will be good, or like you know, we can mix the music even, but like yeah. let's keep the tomato sauce away from the corn beef. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so, I, I so guess I, I guess if we ever do get together, then we, we, we got to go get pizza and I'm just going to drive you crazy ordering whatever the weird, I'm going to get like pineapple and broccoli on my pizza or something like oh, that. God, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, like there's like, you know, plenty of, plenty of good pizza around here for sure. And like, I was telling this to my mom earlier, you know, cause there's like a, a, by us, there's like a new pizza place opening and it's called like round pie pizza. It's some like, I don't want to slide on hipsters, but it's, it sounds like a hipster place, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. Local pizzerias have to be like either some 
you know, guy's last name that ends in a vowel, right. or like you or know, Tony, right? Like Tony's <laughs> Pizza, Vinny's Pizza, Romeo's, right. Sal's, you know, yeah, Giuseppe's, like no round pie, like what is this? Come on, right? Um, yeah, even though I'm even though I'm only thirty one, sometimes I'm. <laughs> you get the crotchety old man coming yeah. out of there. <laughs> it's like, uh, back in my day, you know.